0: Welcome to Space Brains, the show where we joy-watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey and this is Mark.
1: Hiya, it's episode 93 and we're talking about science fiction film Children of Men. came out in 2006. In this episode, we'll reveal what we thought about the film The ins and outs of narrative and film language Plus a nice deep dive into a specific piece of science that the filmmakers are proposing Children of Men was directed by Alfonso Carrion Or Carrion? Corian? Sorry, Alfonso Please correct us Uh, who also uh, participated in one version of this screenplay. So if you actually go back, this story was written by a great British author, P.D. James, who wrote a whole bunch of murder mystery novels, uh, hugely successful. A lot of them have been turned into TV or uh, cinema uh, and no... No surprise, this one was optioned very early on in the piece uh, and it is the same, the title of this is The Children of Men by P.D. James. Universal picked it up, bought it out, had a script written by Hawk Otsby and Mark Fergus. It then got rewritten again by David Arata and then when Alfonso came on the scene, uh, he gave it over to Timothy J. Sexton who wrote a script and Alfonso wanted to not read the novel. He wanted to, because he'd read the earlier version of the script and he just wanted to work from that. Uh, But he did give Timothy the task of going to read the novel and kind of making it pure to that point.
0: Didn't, uh, I thought Clive Owen got a bit of action on the writing as well. Yeah, he's
1: not... He's not credited, but um, a lot of the way that Alfonso, and we'll come back to this when we break it all down, like the way they shot this is really quite interesting with the, the long takes, you know, I've seen yes. that Clive, I mean, yeah, he had to have written some of that stuff because an actor has to play those moves and feel what is happening, etc. Mm. But he's not credited. And uh, quite often actors don't get that credit. You know, because that they get credited in the other area of, of acting. Yeah, there's a wheelbarrow
0: um, of cash usually dropped off at their doorstep. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think I think as I said in this, he Clive Alfonso sold him the idea of um, this is, would be the style of film, like the the war torn kind of style that they went for, and we'd have these very long takes. And I guess you know, with the and it also feels like the cinematographer. If you look into this, the cinematographer also had a big play in. How some of those scenes really fold, oh, So yeah. with Clive. So even if you talk about another credit, have <laughs> yeah. already got enough authors. There's it you know chuck Clive in and chuck the cinematography in as well? Really. So, um, and the, and they have made something that's quite a interesting science fiction world that they've built here within the world of cinema. So I want to I want to talk a lot more about that later.
0: And uh, we will, but you better turn back now. This is Mm. your spoiler warning. We are going to spoil a bejesus out of this film. Warning, warning. So, warning, warning. warning. Turn back, watch, tune back in here.
1: We're going to reveal that this film is more than just children and men. Yes. It it seems a bit
0: (laughs) odd to say children of men. Children of men. Although, I have a feeling this is men men in the old English sense of were, meaning... You know, worm being worm men and women and with men, (laughs) (laughs) it almost sounded like I had something going there. I know, I felt like you were really going to give us an English lesson. I really did. (laughs) Not
1: so so lucky. Children of Men is set in 2027, not far from from here. And again, I like that. They played off that rule don't go too far into the future. Uh, And it's a chaotic world in which women have somehow become infertile. Uh, A former activist, which is Clive Owen. Clive, yeah, Clive Owen. Yes. Theater's name is, yes. I just blanked a little bit on his acting name. Uh, He's a former activist. And he agrees to transport a miraculously pregnant woman to a sanctuary at sea. So, it's a real... I mean, straight away, this film is so primal, isn't it? It's like, pregnant woman, save the pregnant woman. Yes. You can't get much more primal than that. No In no a babies. world where there's no babies. So, it's the ultimate kind of, uh, you know, caveman test, and, as we and like And that to right there
0: about. is why why this is a science fiction film. Is like, someone would have said, basically, what if... There were no more babies. Right. It's the great. What what would happen to to society? How would we use science to overcome this? Mm. Um, And what what changes would this wrought?
1: Yeah. Well, like, would science actually overcome it, or would society break down and go into disrepair? And that's what the writers are kind of premising here, isn't it? That that society does become chaotic and dystopian. So, uh, what was your number one takeaway from Children of Men?
0: Number one takeaway from Children of Men is that if you really have a bit of a think about and pay attention, long shots are incredibly impressive. Yeah. Like I was just, (laughs) I was typing away my notes as I'm, you know, as I'm watching, I've got my my computer open. I've got two screens I'm watching on one, Mm. notes on the other one. And I got down to that last sequence in the building. Mm. And from when he starts escorting her out all the way around through everyone until... Yeah, you know, the rocket launcher goes off and they start fighting again. Yeah. One long shot. Yeah. And you, you don't realize how impressive that is until you realize that everyone would have had to have been in character the whole time. Mm. And just because the camera hadn't, wasn't showing them, they would have had to continue as if it was just in case. Yeah, you, know, you, you can imagine they go, oh, I'm, I'm out of shot, and they sort of relax and sort of step aside, and it's actually they weren't quite out of shot, mm. or someone sees them leaning up against the window having a cigarette, or you know, like yeah. something breaks it, and then you can imagine the old director would be like, "This was really hard to set up. We're going to do it again, but you're not going to be in it. <laughs> go home." <laughs> you know, so it, it's it's very impressive, and the effect it has on on me watching it mm. that. That slow march through without cutting away, and it's only because I paid attention to the fact that uh, I, I read up that Alfonso loves his long shots, yeah. And I thought, well, what does that mean? I'll pay attention, which is part of the whole joy watching of films, I think. Mean. Mm. And yeah, there was a few good ones in the. You know, we'll, we'll probably hit on them as we go through, but this this last scene here, coming through the building where he's walking out, and everyone is just in awe of the fact that there's a baby, like yeah. and. All the fighting just stops, and yep. they just go, "What? What the hell are we doing? This is because it is. It's kind of ridiculous that they're fighting, mm. like really. Like the world population has dropped and is just going to continue to drop because there's no new babies, mm. and yet they're fighting over resources still. Yeah. Like, come on, like that's just that's nonsense. But it's it's what people do. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, this this long shot. It just impressed me that they were able to get so many people. In the right spot at the right time, and this camera could just move through, capturing everything. Yeah, I can't imagine how many times they would have had to have run that camera through like, exactly make sure that uh, it, it, was it a cameraman carrying it on a steady cam? Like, yeah, yeah. walking backwards through what was really fairly chaotic. They, they would have had to have a little path for him to walk on, mm. possibly a minder walking behind, like hand on shoulder, sort of, yeah. directing them because. But, yeah, that that coordination organisation is is very impressive. Yeah,
1: yeah. And that's – Clive Owen did say it was a lot of those scenes was a dance that him and the cinematographer had to play, you know, Mm. and so, yeah. I mean, I don't know the technicalities because I didn't really research into it, but, yeah, traditionally those cinema cameras – get locked on to your cinematographer like a chess piece and... um,
0: A baby carrier.
1: Like a baby carrier, basically, yeah. I mean, now with DSLRs, there's a lot of gimbals and things that Mm. that are very popular, but if you're talking about a large cinema camera, we used to in WA, I actually don't know if the guy still is here, but he was... Years and years ago, like we're talking back, this was what year was this? 2006, about 2000. There was a world renowned steady cam, like that's what they called them steady cam yeah. operator. He only shot a lot of uh, rabbit pre fence because that that was quite revolutionary with all the steady cam stuff. Mm. And so he was a West Australian cinematographer and became, yeah, really well known as a steady cam operator and, uh... so to be able to do all that because it's. You know, it's one thing to be really good on camera but on a tripod, but yes. then to also be very good on a camera where you're moving all the time, you know. But on that as well, just to say that, yeah, we appreciate those long shots. I know if you look into some of the behind the scenes of this film, uh, the studio was quite stressed about Alfonso because a couple of these sequences, one of them, I don't know if it was that end scene or if it was the scene at the farm, which I thought was really impressive. Mm. I think it was something like took them 15 days rehearsal, and so, of course, the studio are like, you're not shooting anything for 15 days. In 15 days,
0: you've got all these actors. Yeah, you all these actors. you, you got, got the, the crew scene and the crew um, and the So, reading. they
1: weren't too impressed. And and then to reshoot the scene would take another, like, five hours to set up, which is a whole day. You know, like, if you're doing everything properly, it's like, was well, a whole other shoot And if you like, lose the
0: light, yeah. you're screwed.
1: <laughs> so, I know Alfonso felt a lot of pressure from the studios um, and obviously had to... Have a lot of blowback and a lot of faith from his producers. So oh. It'd be interesting. It'd be great if we could chat to Alfonso about some of this. These things I was going to mention had, that
0: so. we we have seen Steadicam technology in the move in mm. movies in the movie Aliens. Yep. Those yeah, yeah. guns, the smart guns at the uh, Vasquez and yep. uh, who's the other guy? I can't remember. They, they they've got those, those big ass guns. That's a, a Steadicam gimbal they're, they're mm. hooked up to, and motorbike parts. Yep, they they pulled apart a Honda. VT250, I think it was, and basically built this gun and stuck it on a steady cam and yeah. said, there you go.
1: Yeah, so there's plenty to talk about in some of the nitty gritty, and we'll come back to that as we get into it. But that, yeah, long shots can be, if you want to see the longest long shot, the movie is called The Player. And it's the opening sequence of The Player, starring Tim Robbins, and it's about Hollywood. And there's, I think it oh, by memory, it's something like about twelve and a half minutes.
0: Really? I thought there was a documentary so, uh, about the uh, a Russian history documentary where they they moved through uh, like one of these Russian palaces turned into a museum, and they mm. you know staged different parts of Russian history if, through like you know they have like a, a ballroom where people are dancing, and then as you move through, it moved into other stages of history and different moments yeah, right. being enacted. I don't know how long that goes for, but I remember that was an impressively long. Maybe it's not a, you know, maybe it's a documentary piece and not considered a motion picture.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so that's a good, if you're out there and you know, these are just a couple of the things. Mm. And I mean, even 1917, that war movie that came out, because the player is back in the 80s, and I know that held that title for a very long time, but... Maybe now, yeah. Because even nineteen seventeen, that British War movie where they the whole movie moves, you know, forwards, yeah, following the two soldiers. There is some really long sequences in that as well. So I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Could correct me if you're out
0: there. Yeah, jump on, correct. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> That's all we like. I mean, we're not often correct anyway. So That's right. Yeah, you could almost say anything and you'd be more correct. Be fine. So tell me though. Then let's let's move on. Was this a hope, a warning, or an experiment? I think this is a warning. We said the
1: what if. I reckon this is a cautionary tale. Not a hope? No. Oh. no I don't I don't see this as hope. It's hopeful that humanity see it's we've had this a few times in sci-fi, haven't mm. we sorry when we've looked at films and it's hopeful because Theo saves the day and he return like he definitely is despair at the t- start of the film like he's kind of given up, hasn't he? Yeah. And then at the end of the film, although he's dead, He, you know, he's saved. He's had the hope, like of the child, yeah. The the
0: bookend is at at the start of the film. He's physically alive but dead inside, and at the end, he's yeah, you know, spiritually alive but physically dead. Hopeful of
1: humanity, I think, and and I mean, even that stuff you were just saying that all the soldiers and that stopped fighting because they saw the babies. There's hope, right? Like that's hope. Mm. So I agree with that. the the theme of hopes in this, but I don't think it's a hope. I don't think actually. it's a hope.
0: It almost is. You want to think yeah. it is, but it's the uh, key, the refugee, she doesn't get to the boat through act of hope. It no, was through faith no. and chance. Like it was... Yeah. A, and that theme motif was brought up a few times, the whole faith and chance. And it was you know, fate and chance, which, faith and chance, which led them there because they they could have no no way of communicating Mm. and they just had to get there and they had to be lucky enough that they could get the boat and all that. And, yeah, so to say hope, uh, almost,
1: but not quite. I, I saw it more as that warning because I think, again, to me, when I look at these definitions as well, it's like the setup of the film is the world has become infertile, so we're... You know, we're told pretty quickly and we're showing that story of the youngest baby dying, you know, the youngest man, 18 year old baby Diego. Yeah, baby Diego. And uh, the, but the world has chosen not to like go, okay, well, how do we fix this? How do we recreate babies? The world has actually decided
0: it's not the, no, we're going to
1: blow the shit out of each other. It's not the
0: wandering earth. No, no, the whole world comes together in order to solve this issue.
1: That's right. So I think to me, that's where that definition is. So to me, it's more of a warning that if something like this happened to us in humanity, we'd have to be very careful not to spiral. I suppose that's it, isn't it? It's like, do we spiral downwards or do we spiral upwards? It's almost like you
0: know? take away our hope because yeah. the children are kind of you know the hope for the future. Yeah. Take away our hope for the future. And what does humanity have left? Well, yeah. we could have just a big, you know, shit fight. Shit, shit, shit show, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what Was this the first time you've seen Children of the Men? No, this was the second time. The yep. first time was... Close to when it was released, mm-hmm. so well, you know, it was 2006, so well, that's that's a good 16 years, yeah. I think I watched this when I was in Melbourne, mm. so it's that long ago at the so, cinema or just on DVD? No, no, it wasn't TV. on the cinema, it was, yeah, it was a, a, a DVD or a rental, mm. digital rental. Mm. I'm not sure at that time, maybe as a pirate, yeah, probably a pirate. <laughs> this is back before you could actually get you know, legal copies in Australia. For those of you who who didn't live through the dark ages of Australian (laughs) media and it's still a bit that way, a film would come out in American cinema Mm. and then maybe three to six months we would get it in cinema and then maybe three to six months or longer depending on how well it was doing in the cinema would get it to rent. Yeah, or buy or something. If we got it at all. Yeah. And so as a well, result, there, there were a number of films that never made an Australian mm. cinema debut unless never made a DVD release yeah. debut. Yep, yep. But then we'd hear about them.
1: And it was that wait time was so extensive, wasn't it? You oh, know, it, was it was ridiculous. Sometimes it's, it might have been 12 months later that the film was now available to rent as a new just, release. They're just bleeding
0: know? money. I'm like, yeah. why, why would you do that? Yeah, because... And it wasn't a problem until, uh, you know... BitTorrent and uh, ADSL was fast enough that you could download a reasonably good quality video mm. of a of a film in, you know, an hour or yeah. less. Yeah, yeah. And so suddenly they really were bleeding money because, yes. you know, people would go, well, I'm not waiting for Game of Thrones to come out on DVD, you know, after the season's out and everyone's already talking about it. I'm just going to pirate the damn thing. Mm. And they still haven't solved that one. <laughs> no. House of the Dragon, really good. I, I didn't get a subscription for that. No. I just imagined it. I, I didn't break any laws. I merely imagined how good it would you be. You were
1: gifted it from the it's internet in- gods. It was
0: beamed directly into my head through luck, faith, and chance. Well done. Yes.
1: Share some of that luck at times. Yeah.
0: But uh, so um, that was not my first time. Uh, I remember I watched it the first time and I... I liked it. I thought oh this this is a really interesting concept. It's a bit sort of um uh bleak and I it, this was before I had kids of my own. Mm. So it kind of didn't ring as much, you know, as it could have. It didn't touch touch me quite as much. The second time watching it though, having had kids since. Mm. Yeah, the thought of net, like you know cuz when I watched this I don't think I really even wanted kids. Mm. Like you know, I didn't I didn't not want kids, but I certainly didn't want kids. If yeah. you say. I, was, I was just sort of ambivalent yeah. to children. Yeah. Uh, but then at some point in my life, I went, you know what? Yeah, kids would be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And then shortly after that, it was like, wow, kids are really hard work. I'm not sure how <laughs> cool this is. <laughs> but now it's kind of like they're a bit older and, and I've gotten used to it and now it's cool again. Watching it in that context, yes, this idea of there being no more children, mm-hmm. like possibly ever, Yeah. Uh, it was just... It was heartbreaking because if you were one of the parents of like the 18-year-olds, you would know you're never going to have grandkids. You know that your kids are never going to have that opportunity to share a life so fully because like when you're having little kids, you're you're sharing your life and your experience and and you're learning from them. And well, hopefully you're learning from them Uh because they like to teach a lot. And then also you're, you know, passing on some of your wisdom that, and you're experiencing life again. Like the number of times uh, my wife and I, we were put on a film, we watched, yeah, Predator not long ago with Mm. the kids. Yeah. And, you know, I was able to re-enjoy watching Predator because my kids had never seen it. Mm. They didn't, they knew nothing about it Mm -hmm. and they were going, you know, wild for it. And I was like, so I I re-enjoyed it. Yeah. And it's the same, yeah. You know, like Christmases and, and things come along. Um, yeah, I my, had the
1: experience on the train the other night yeah, taking they, the kids to the drone and Mabel in particular, the five-year-old was very, you know, she clung to my arm, yeah. you know, going, oh, big buildings and nighttime and city. And you just saw it all through her eyes. Mm. And the experience wasn't so much my experience of a drone because it was a drone show in Perth. It was it was just more of a, a little child being out at nighttime in a city for no, the, and, for the really and, for the first time and, and so, fireworks likewise yeah yeah you know right. it's the same idea isn't it so, it, so yeah. it was it was that was the joy that i actually got from the night yeah. was seeing that joy would, on her face
0: it would break my heart if my kids didn't get the opportunity to have children yeah. and i didn't get to have grandchildren and sort of you know rejuvenate myself again <laughs> True, you know, vicariously. <laughs> yeah,
1: once once they're grandkids, you can just pick them up and drop them off as okay,
0: well, can't you? It's the best world. It's like this uh, uh, my wife does dog sitting now, so we get part time dogs. Yeah. It's fantastic.
1: It's fantastic because you can just hand it back at the end of the day.
0: But you know, so, yeah, the second viewing here, it, it had a bit more to it. And plus, being a space brain now, I, I paid a bit more attention to such mm. things as yeah, yeah. lighting and the music in this is quite something. Yes. Um, but yeah, there's also a bit of science fiction. There's stuff in there, you know. Cleverly woven into the background there. Was there any science fiction elements in here that sort of spoke to you or, or you thought were kind of clever and neat?
1: I liked the dystopian v- world here. It felt a bit like District 9, didn't it? You know, yeah. Same idea and even Elysium, which I know is the same uh, Blancuff sort of filmmaking. This was before District 9, but that worn, torn zone. I myself, watching this for the second time, I probably picked up I remember the first time watching it, I was a bit... I enjoyed it, but I was probably a little bit flat at the end. And this time I realised why. And it was actually the fact that we have all those long shots. This time I really appreciated that storytelling device much Mm. more. I think the first time... Probably again the age I was at, etc. I, I I kind of was wanting more out of it. Like I wanted to know more of the details, but this time I appreciated that we had those long shots and we kind of it felt it made you feel like you were in this crazy world. You know, yeah. I think that was the effect here of these long shots. So uh, sci-fi-wise, I loved that, yeah, the dystopianness of this world and it was a broken down dystopian world, which I really liked. I liked that also the tech here was, I mean, it was probably almost this tech could be around in 2027, no, right? Yeah, like yeah. like the car, when he hopped in Michael Caine's car, um, Jasper, um, it was just kind of like a GPS system, which is pretty current to what we've yeah, probably yeah. got going on now. It was an um, electric car. Yeah, there's electric car, which you know we're seeing a big growth in electric cars at the moment. The little, even the desktop computers, they were pretty funky on one side, but they weren't like see-through monitors or anything. You know, they were, they were yeah. just kind of nice quality monitors. And I kind so I thought that saying so this was made in 2006. You jump in forward 20 years, it was very realistic kind of technology. We weren't having that kind of total crazy in future. The guns weren't anything new. No. Guns were the same. So that, that often gets
0: me in sci-fi films, where it's they, they have these blasters. amazing things. And you start of thinking, that's what I liked about Aliens was that yeah. you know you can't beat just firing <laughs> a lump of steel or lead that's right. you're still gotta at do high a velocity into someone. Yeah. Like it's yeah. so simple, it's easy to make and cheap, and yeah. it works. Yeah. Like yeah. what? Yeah, you know, why would you use a you know a laser blast? I mean, maybe if you had like some sort of fusion power that gave you effectively unlimited shots. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you'd put up with some of the drawbacks to to be able to never have to reload, but still...
1: I agreed And so that was the thing And so I just liked That the, and, you know And you had um, There was one bit With newspaper stands You know And they were just Obviously digital screens Which again You know We have now yeah, And they on had the football.
0: Moving ads on the bus Like yeah, animated yeah. bus ad it's, Which it's is It's not
1: anything That is far removed From where mm. we might be In the next five To six or ten years Realistically You know it, you know, When the Queen died uh, What amazed me Was those Digital billboards That we have in the city here They, they wrote up You know The Queen is dead And Long live the queen. I was like, wow, that's really fast that they've got advertising. like. But I thought, well, yeah, that's what you can do with digital now, right? Like you can just change a message on the day
0: uh,
1: for the advertisement, you know? So I liked that. I liked it. And to me, what's more important there as well as in the storytelling, you know, the idea here was the world was breaking down. So the technology shouldn't fast forward too much, right? You know, we shouldn't have this white Apple store everywhere because society was fighting each other. We don't have the resources and the intelligence. You know, good old Elon Musk, I saw a little video from him saying that people presume technology just gets better and better, but that doesn't happen unless people invest in it, you know? And... It stayed with me seeing him say that because it's like, yeah, that's re- that's a presumption that we make in sci-fi films sometimes is that, oh, it's, it, one day it's all going to be like an Apple store. Like mm. the whole city will be like an Apple store. And it's like, but that will only happen is if we really push towards it being like an Apple yeah. store. <laughs> like we're still going to have graffiti and rubbish and trash and, you know, broken down old cars and stuff because... It takes the whole of society to go. I want the Apple Store, and we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that as humans, are we? You know, and we saw that with Demolition Man. You know, the yeah. idea was okay, wipe the city clean because of the earthquake. We have a chance to rebuild, but you couldn't. You couldn't get rid of that part of humanity that still wanted to be humans and swear and and have sex and break things and graffiti. Like you couldn't. You can't really get rid of that, and that's. Um, so I liked that this film in the terms of the sci-fi stayed true to that it's a dystopian world tech can't go too much further and the tech was just that next step.
0: Yeah. You, yeah. you got the impression that it was a, a little bit fancier. Yeah, but and
1: nothing but, special.
0: But not yeah, you're not teleporting or using hologram no. communications or anything strange like that. No.
1: Uh, yeah, so and what about yourself are you up to anything uh, sci-fi or creative?
0: Uh, well for the past Sort of week and a bit, I've been head down, tail up, uh, preparing for a technical interview. So, no,
1: you're going to be running the corporations here in the future,
0: my jiz, if I can. And uh, yeah, it'll, it'll all be Apple stores, <laughs> yeah, wall to wall, the yeah. whole thing, flying cars.
1: Don't worry, you can come with me to the underground population, we'll do podcasting over there.
0: Podcasting in the
1: about the great megalith that is Surrey's corporation,
0: yeah, there would just be a massive Surrey statue in the middle <laughs> of Perth, yeah. Mm, and I'll have the uh I'll have the penthouse suite looking out through my own eyes. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> Something like that, I'm mm. sure. Uh but other than that, you know, I, I did manage to make a bit more progress on my book and nice. my app. Yep. Uh and uh, been looking at uh how to approach uh getting uh sponsors and things for our film festival. Yep. So yeah, little bits and pieces, but none of those, have, have I haven't passed any milestones that I'd like yeah. to brag about it for those. Fair enough. been uh, busy trying to get a new job. Yep. Although if you listened and you know where I work currently and I don't get a new job because when this comes out, you will have heard whether I've left or not. This could be awkward. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes. In which case, I'm just joking.
1: Yes, all jokes.
0: Yes. I don't know anything about jobs. No. Anyway, and yourself, uh, how, how have you been going? Uh,
1: yeah, so I think I've talked last time a bit about the beatboarding of a low-budget feature, so that has continued. So I'm still um, blocking that out, still just getting in those beginning stages. But wanting, you know, we are nearing the end of 2022, and so wanting to really start 2023 and run with that, you know what I mean? So I'm trying right now to to really block out as much as I can um, in the time that I have. So there's that. Um, I got to meet a film producer for Coffee uh, last week, which cool. was really, uh, really exciting. I mean, she's, um, she's produced, you know, some short films and been part of some bigger productions. Uh, she was part of the West Australian, not sci-fi, but a, f- a feature film made here called How to Please a Woman that came out earlier this year and so yeah it was just really great to meet her and and have that sort of chat about where she's at and where I'm at and she's working on a pitch for a different thing for Disney plus at the moment but looking at you know options so you know she's also looking at developing her career because again as a my personal filmmaking stuff it's that probably is the next logical step for me to build a partnership with a producer because you really do. For those that don't know, the producer in that traditional terms is really the one that goes seeking funds, sponsorship, selling the film with the director at times, but essentially that is their role you know, yeah. to raise the funds and run and monitor the funds. So, Alfonso, I don't know who the producer of Children of the Men was. I don't, we don't write that down. We probably should. Maybe we'll do that in the new year. But, his, his actual producer, that is their job. Like his to, you know, Universal wanted to make this film. His $70 million, I think, was the budget of this film. The producer runs that $70 million, make mm. sure people get paid. You know, things are running, the schedule's running. So producer does a massive amount of stuff in that way. So, yeah, that was a really great chat. And, you know, hopefully something might come of that in the future of that partnership. So it's always good to do that. Uh, In terms of Space Brains, we are building towards next year's festival. I likewise have uh, looked into some funding options, gotten some responses, uh, and also want to look at some private sponsorships. If you are out there and you do want to sponsor Space Brains feel free to get in touch. We do have opportunities. And we are in that kind of sussing out businesses and government and stuff. So now's the time to get in. Get now in on the ground the floor so you can get up to Surrey's eyeballs yeah. and be at that apartment.
0: Yeah, you want to be at the...
1: Overlooking with it's, Surrey. It's the eye Drinking the ball expensive level. wine, you know. You want to be at. Yeah. And not the other floating pig, like Flo- in yeah. Children <laughs> of pig. I didn't quite get that reference. That's oh, a Pink Floyd. All oh, right. Okay, so there's a big pig floating out yeah. You know, I suppose maybe pig is um also, you know, uh, gluttony, isn't it? And, and derogatory you know, of a yeah. police
0: state and Yeah. And 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 that's sort of yeah, fat over bloated. It, it was really wealth. just there's um the the famous Pink Floyd cover of the pig flying over the Battersea Park. Yeah, right. Uh smokestacks. Yes. And that's that scene out that window, that pig that wasn't the Battersea's, you know, power yeah. station but there were kind of there was pillars there, there. and yeah, yeah. Uh, There's a lot of industrial in this film. <laughs> yeah, there is, isn't Which there? I, I found a little bit odd that it sort of went back to this industrial mm. sort of, you know, manufacturing sort of stuff. I suppose they had to because they couldn't rely on the rest of the world at that point.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think it's that great, uh, we're deviating already, but mm. it, I think it's that great British monarchy business institution, isn't it? You know, mm. like the industrial age coming out of Britain. Yes. And they were the founders of that really and that first industrial age. And I think this film is referencing that in a way, you know, like because there's that isn't there that great moment when he hops on the bus or whatever and it's like it flashes through all the cities and goes faster, faster, faster. And it's like they're all like broken in a particular way. Not Britain. Britain's, Britain's soldiers Britain's on. Soldiers on, you know, so it's that Winston Churchill we keep going, you Not know. Not that
0: they're doing anything to make the rest of the world okay, no, but you know. <laughs>
1: who cares about the rest of the world? We've so, got ours. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, before we, we, there's some great connotations. There, and I think any society, you know, again, you go to 1984 again and um, Brave New World, the Huxley's book, you know, those kind of um, Clockwork Orange. And Soil and Green. Soil and Green. I mean, that's definitely American, but that real traditional uh, class society, you have to think Britain, don't you?
0: Oh, yes. You know?
1: And I mean, this is a British novel, a British story, but... It makes so much sense. That class structure is real. And I've you know, I've had people talk about this currently, British people. I don't know if you've ever had that kind of conversation. If you are British out there you come but you know, my wife's family, you know, her mum's from Britain and and her family that are still there, like they talk that the class structure we don't we don't quite have that same thing in Australia, do we?
0: No, we it, we do
1: have wealthy and we do have the middle class and we do have the working class but we do, I don't think we we've never truly had that class system like they do in the in the, no, the UK. No, it
0: doesn't distinguish because the thing is yeah, yeah, we don't distinguish generally speaking based on the sort of work you do or whatever. No. It's it's really is um other areas that you the way they you behave be, and, and yeah. act in, you know, like Yeah. um it's not uncommon to see, you know, tradies at barbecues and football games with millionaires, yeah, yeah. and and it's it's not whether they're a, a you know a, a bricklayer or the owner of a you know multiple apartment buildings or something We're like yeah. that's not really what d- d- would stop them Doesn't from associating. You, yeah. What would stop them associating would be you know maybe football teams or yeah,
1: that's right, the type of beer you drink, kind or of yeah, thing, or,
0: yeah. or sort of maybe the suburb that you grew up in yeah. that even a that yeah I don't know. Yeah, like. yeah.
1: I don't know. Yeah, it's and it's probably more down to how you treat someone a bit in the in those social it's mm. so how how people act in those social situations, I think in Australia, whereas I guess that British class structure is built into them a bit more. Yeah. You know? It's probably evened out a lot more in the modern day, but it still is it's it's a thing. So if you if you're from Britain, get in touch, let us no, know. well they still accurate. have a
0: House of Lords. They do? Who are yeah, yeah. Lords. Lords. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, I mean... How do you become one? And the House of Commons, which (laughs) is commoners. Yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of right there in their parliament. There you go. Okay.
1: So, before we go into that, Space Marines Sci-Fi Festival, uh, make sure you crack in, make a film, uh, all the details you can find on Film Freeway. Check us out on our socials to learn more. We've already had the early bird deadline. We've got the next deadline coming up at the end of 2022, right at the end. And then there's sort of a late deadline in 2023. Let's take late entries. You've still got a bit of time, but now is the time to make your film.
0: Make your film. Yeah, and if you're
1: unsure, I had a guy reach out the other day um, asking some details on Facebook, so through the page. So, yeah, don't be afraid just to reach out and ask questions. Jump
0: onto YouTube and check out some of the highlights of last year's. You see the trophy awards. You see the lovely little presentations Mm -hmm. and, yeah, fantastic.
1: Yep. so be part of the festival. So let's get into Children of Men. First of all, we'll uh, scope out some of the key details and the plot. Key details. Uh,
0: So, as we said, it is directed by Alfonso Cuaron. Yeah, Cuaron.
1: You're going the Cuaron.
0: Yeah. Oh, my goodness me. Like, I think think he's from Mexico. Yeah, I think so. Uh, And so there's probably like a a really cool way of saying both of those names (laughs) that, you know, like really rolls and sounds sparkling, Mm. but I don't know how to do it. So I'll just leave it up to the experts. Uh, The screenplay was by... A mouthful of people, Alfonso and Timothy and David and Mark and Hawk Hawk. So that, <laughs> that would be quoron Sexton, Arata, Fergus and Otsby. Yeah. So you're going to have to rearrange all those names in the correct order now. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's based on a book by P. D. James called "The Children of Men," unsurprisingly. We've got Clive Owens, uh, Clive Owen, sorry, as Thelonious Theo. We've got Claire Hope. Uh Ashti sheet, or Shiti uh, Ashti, Ashti <laughs> as Key. So uh yeah, Claire Hope, get in touch and tell us about you yourself and your name. Uh Julianne Moore Jeez. playing Julian, which I thought was uninspiring in the naming. <laughs> but I guess that's the name of the character in the book. Yeah. So what are you gonna do? Yeah. Michael kane wasn't he great but as As Jasper? Uh and uh Chiwetel Fjor uh 4 <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, so... He's, he, a
1: be, you know, he's a great actor. Is he? Um, is that Icelandic? His, I don't know. I don't know where his background's from, actually. But, that last
0: know. name looks... Uh, F four as Luke. Yeah. He's
1: in uh, is he in the recent Star Wars or something, but he's like 12 years of a slave and uh, Academy-nominated actor. He's a brilliant actor. It wouldn't be an Icelandic awesome. name, then. I think he's British, Is all these people are British,
0: aren't they? Yeah. So, okay, well. Yeah, I don't know. So sure uh, maybe he'll get in touch with us and mm-hmm. let him you know, tell us about his name because it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it was filmed in the UK at a budget of about $76 million or so, it says here. Mm-hmm. The box office didn't do that great. No. $70 million. Yeah. See, so this is the problem. Is that mm. I don't think there was enough kapow powers and splash. <laughs> what else was coming out in 2006? Maybe something else just took the limelight. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's something that's, we should probably do, actually, is yeah. think about what Compare, else came out at the same
1: time. <laughs> Compare what came out at the same time.
0: Yes. So that's it. And when we talk about these films, we like to uh, look at things like the – I would like to break it down into various narrative structures, quite common elements that you'll find amongst the various teachers of storytelling and filmic um, dynamics. Like, Discourse. The good old Alfonso <laughs> Sexton. Oh.
1: Yes, uh, okay. This
0: are the method. The Camber, Snyder, McKee, Field, and Space Brains te- uh, terminology. Yeah. So we're talking about a three act structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's broken down into specific moments, beats, um, plot points that each each one is designed to drive uh, the story forward with reason. Uh-huh. And that's that's sort of what plot. Is compared to story the, the plot, the reason that yeah, well, the um the mechanics that make it continue,
1: and it's very obvious the the plot that drives this story. You know, as we said in the premise, you know, I feel like this is one of those great examples of a caveman story because uh, you uh, the what if what if society couldn't have is infertile, so what's the answer to that? Well, one woman has a baby. Yeah. Straight away. So you've got the what if, you've got the premise. Okay, well, if society can't have children, what, how is what, how does society react to that? Oh, it's dystopian.
0: Oh, it's terrible. It's
1: war-torn, it's trashy, everyone hates each other. Uh, okay, so then you've got a pregnant woman. Okay, you've got to get her to safety. So to safety,
0: yeah. and we're going to see the good and the bad in humanity in All this situation. That's right. Both sides of it. and it's an interesting duality and we'll get onto that.
1: Yeah, and there's heaps of it. It starts right in the opening shot of this film and all the way to the end. So Act 1, we basically have the beginning of any story, you know, like, hello, here we are, here's the story, um, who the character is. So we have this opening image, we might have a bit of a theme... Incorporated in the very early parts of the film, we learn the setup, the world that we're in, the time, the place, the key character or characters being a feature. You're most likely going to have more than one character, probably two or three at least, um, but uh, and the world that they're in, you know. And then we have this moment. Because that can't go on too long. You can't have an introduction go on forever. It's too boring. Yeah, slice and of life.
0: No one wants slice of life. No,
1: no, no, no. So, so pretty quickly, you know, you've set that world up as a writer or a filmmaker. You've got to then punch the character in the face, basically, with something that really upsets their world. So, you know, they've got to be given something. And this film does it at 12 minutes and 22 seconds. Because yes. I was on the, something around that time, uh, which is great. And it's, it's very obvious what the inciting incident is. Um, and really that moment has to shape the character's journey. And now the character debates what they're going to do about it. Um, so if they lost their job at the inciting incident, what do they do about it? Do they become a full-blown alcoholic? Do they decide to skateboard around the whole world because they, when they were a child, they always loved skateboarding and they'd given up on it to follow the corporate ladder? Um, that's the debate. So they've got to make a decision. And once they make that decision, it's really about hopefully making a decision that then drives the story on. And both those examples there, well, okay, I'm going to be an alcoholic. Now we're going down into Act 2, they're an alcoholic. Or I'm going to skateboard around all the biggest cities in the world. Okay, we're going on that journey as an mm. audience. So that takes us into Act 2. What's that about?
0: Uh, well, yeah, that first one, I don't want to go on that one. <laughs> but let's go <get> to <laughs> skateboarding right here. Yeah. So Act 2 then, the first half of Act 2 is the, the promise of that premise. It's like We've been told he's going to become a world-famous skateboarder. So we'll see him enter skateboard. You know, combat. Yeah. Whatever, whatever it is they, they battles, skateboarding yeah. battles. Is that what they call them? With their skateboarding sticks and <laughs> sticks, and boards. Their, and their skateboards. Their, their roller hats. I don't know. I don't understand a thing about skateboarding. But they'll we'll see we'll see a bunch of skateboarding and yeah. probably skills, and they'll meet some a B story in there. Like they'll probably meet a friend or yeah. a little guiding mentor, someone who will someone um, that's always skateboarded, someone who's always skateboarded. But baby maybe, maybe doesn't have um, luck with uh, wants a puppy. Yeah. They really want a puppy dog, but they're, they're, their landlord doesn't let them have one. Oh. So they've got a little. That's a little side story mm. we're going to have going on there. But we no. get to. They are. Uh, they've
1: skateboarded their whole life, but they've never won the world championship because ah. they were always told someone else would come along and win it. Ah, it could be a prophecy.
0: <laughs> but we get, to, <laughs> or they
1: we, injured themselves, right? Yeah, we, we, <laughs> get, so they didn't have we <laughs> get
0: to the midpoint anyway. A lot of things could happen yeah, yeah. here. We get to the midpoint. So the midpoint. Then we've had a bit of fun and games, which yeah. is what it's often Lots of called. Skateboarding. skateboarding, getting better, doing the tournaments. Midpoint, uh, something. You know, it happens here where um, maybe they thought they were going to win because they are so fantastic, but then just like their B-story friend, no, nah, they don't. There's, mm. always, there's always someone in China who's better yeah. because there's so many good people in China at skateboarding, um, as we all know, mm. and... They, they miss out on the tournament and this will be a no-so. It's, it's an inflection point. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. Sometimes it's a good thing when yeah. they get to the midpoint. Let's go with bad because that's, that's the usual thing here. It's horrible in children of men. Yes, yeah, so when we get a bit of a, a down, <laughs> downward spiral here as things get worse. It turns out that their initial dreams are not great. And we have bad guys closing in. We have um, what, Dark Knight of the Soul, where they just really inspect what the heck am I doing? Skateboarding? What, who, who was I kidding? I can't yeah. skateboard. I should just go back to my corporate job. <laughs> Jian Lee is much better at skateboarding than me. Yeah. But then we get like a, a so they, they lose hope. Perhaps the whiff of death here is their dream of winning tournament. Mm. But you know what? They suddenly realize, you know what Jian Lee always said? If you practice, you actually get better.
1: Mm.
0: Wow, that's really true. I thought it was just because, I don't know, he wore green trousers.
1: And that friend needs to turn back up maybe and say, hey, you know, I wasn't just hanging around you to teach you skateboarding. I was also hanging
0: around you to be your friend. Oh, and, that's, it's the, and friendship the, the friendship was the real treasure after the all. The the real story. And so he jumps out there and he skates for his friend. For his friends, yeah. Not for his own glory. No. Nah. And he, he does wear green trousers though because just in case. Uh, there's an upset, of course. Always has to be well, now this is Act 3, right? We've Act 3. Oh, no, I'm just shooting through this. <laughs> keep, I'm going, just, keep going. Keep going. You're on a roll. This. You're this on a is, roll. This is yeah. a great story. Yeah, you're on a roll. Keep we going. We should probably try to make this a little bit more science fiction these little yeah. pretend movies. Uh, but yeah, at the act, at the end of Act 2, you get that inspiring moment where they, everything is lost. They're, they're not going to win the tournament. Um, you know, this, this guy in China is much better. His friend isn't there. But then we get the inspiration out of that loss, yeah. which is, you know, what I might just do this for my friend. Yeah. And he turns up, yes, do it for me. Oh, yes, I will do it for you, and and then we go into act three. I'll let you. I'll let you finish our little
1: story. <laughs> uh, okay, and so then as friends, they're just going to compete for the fun of competing. Yes, so they're not going to do this. It. Is so the, then that's their plan? So it's a their their new plan. lesson so they've They don't care about Jet. Was his name Jen Lee? Jen Lee. <laughs> and And they're just gonna do it for fun, you know that's the plan, so we'll do it for friends um and so you know the the plan starts to act out that they're having fun, and guess what the fun means they're winning, and then they're given the opportunity now they've won they're, they're given the opportunity to go into the the final the gold medal the contest sudden the, death. the sudden death with. Jen Lee But Ooh. what What Jen Lee does Is And this is what Quite often happens They thought They go Yeah the plan's working We're just Skateboarding as friends His team Sabotage them oh. And they Maybe they uh Take the friend Out the back And break his leg Right Which is Skateboard
0: code For deck Yeah Break and his deck <laughs> Break
1: his deck Yeah He can't skateboard No so now it's like, ha-ha, Jen Lee's going to just win, right? So it be oh, yeah. the end of the story. It's hugely disappointing for the audience. Uh, but uh, our protagonist thinks back to the whole journey he's been on mm. and musters up all these life lessons of this story of being a friend and whatever and, I don't know, cobbling things together that they – make a six-wheeled skateboard that they both can ride on.
0: Oh, it takes the broken skateboard.
1: Yeah, and glues it onto his... And, and, you know, there's nothing in the rules that say they can't do that. And Jen Lee's all bloody complaining. And uh, the judge goes, I'll let it happen. They're not going to win anyway, right? Because you've got the -the state-of-the-art Nike skateboard. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I'm throwing in some sci-fi here. So they've got a six-wheeled skateboard, two guys on it versus Jen Lee on his Nike skateboard. And uh and and then of course it's the it's that final throw everything at it and you know, lo and behold, the six wheeled skateboard actually does win. Does win. But they won because they did it together.
0: And, and on um, the closing image, he he lands and he's he's congratulating and, and generally actually does give him a begrudging handshake. Yeah. And his old boss, who thought he'd never get anywhere. Yeah. Is told to hand over the sponsorship check. Yeah, that his company is now going to sponsor this guy, and this his boss skateboard. is like, "Oh, I'm so humiliated that I've got to hand over <laughs> the check to the guy that I fired right. for being no good." And it's a bigger check than I get. Yes, that's right. Yeah, and that's yeah. and that's, then we, we have like the fist punch in the air, yeah, jump in the guitar, air. Uh, you know, guitar rock based mm. uh, music playing. This is a great idea. Yeah, I think This is we should fantastic. You <laughs> must sell it to Disney. <laughs> sell it. It sounds like a Disney film. It
1: does, doesn't it? We've gone down the Disney element tonight. We yeah. do have to start putting some more sci-fi element into this. So there you have it. A three-act structure, roughly out in those key beats. You're going to have a pretty satisfied, I mean, I'd be satisfied, I'd be punching the fist in the air to that, yeah, Disney, yeah. To that, that Disney movie.
0: Jump, freeze, yeah. freeze frame. Yeah.
1: Get some good bopping song at the end going and we're, we're all good. So, uh, yeah. So that's our three act structure. You'll find for most novels and films, roughly beat it out in those things. If you want to write a story yourself, uh, go do a bit of research on that, and you can find those kind of beats. Look at films like *Children of Men* and see if you can beat them out. And. That is a really good way to learn the structure of a story. doesn't mean you can write a really good story because I'm still learning how to no. write a good story. But I, I know that. At least you learn that recipe and then you can uh, experiment with that recipe. And I think the other thing is the more I look into it, what that recipe does is it just gives you the um, – it, it gives you a bit of confidence that you can do it because other people do it. Like yes. These guys did it for children of the men. So cuz quite often as a writer you can be staring at a blank page and not sure what comes next. You actually do know what comes next if you sort of roughly follow these beats. Yes. Um I've been talking about my low budget feature and this is what I'm doing is I'm beating out those moments and sort of the puzzle is coming together. Yeah. You know and and I mean again I'm not saying it's as good as Children of the Men but that's what I'm trying to do is figure out that those beats so that I will have a satisfied audience at the end.
0: Yes, if you, if you beat it out often enough, you'll be satisfied. <laughs> there will um, be a
1: satisfied audience.
0: <laughs> a happy ending for everyone. That's true. So, the
1: thing with this film, and I mentioned this before, sorry, is great bookends. The bookend, the start of this film, is about 20 seconds of nothing. Yeah. And that is the opening oh, it image. a silence. It's
0: silence. Oh, that it's... bugged me. I checked my speakers and my headphones and... <sighs> I fast forwarded and there yeah. is sound. I quickly went yeah, back and yeah. I was
1: going yeah, so, Which
0: is perfect for
1: what happens at the end of this film because they do the same thing, but we'll come to that later. Um, so stay tuned. I'm sure if you've watched the film, you'll get it.
0: Yeah, so I, I mentioned in my notes here silence.
1: Yeah, silence. It, it bugged the crap out of me. I was watching this on Apple TV, which I haven't even ever watched anything on my laptop just because I could get access to it through Apple TV. So I did it. And I, it kind of, I kept going. Oh, it's not working. Oh, yeah. it's not playing. No, no, and no, it's no. like, like uh, you know, like it kept bugging me. And I, I jumped, and then I'm like, No, there's stuff there. What's going on? And because I, I was also trying to watch it to start on a train, and so I wasn't sure if my Wi-Fi was not working. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like it was uh, really. I had and the then same I realized problem. at the end, I was like, Ah, oh, that's why. So the starting bit of this is black screen and black silence, and it's deliberate would annoy the hell out of those film projectionists back in 2000. Has it started yet? Oh, shit. Just let it roll. Mm. <laughs> um, so the setup: it's year 27. 2027. 2027 and um, it's been 18 years since total human infertility.
0: And our fifth Space Brains uh, film festival.
1: That's right. <laughs> That's true. Um, and there's this broken-down society. And pretty quick, we're introduced to... Um, Theo Who Is depressed He's down
0: He's, oh, he's downtrodden he's, he's, he's in that cafe Where they just Got the news broadcast that, Saying all terrible Things are happening
1: Yeah all these Terrible things going. On. He just wants a coffee Yeah And it's Shitty coffee as well Looks like yeah. um, It's not the coffee beans I don't think I and mean he, he's literally Buying I mean, He couldn't be bothered coffee. Waiting for milk Yeah he can't be bothered so he, And he looks down Depressed and um, uh, what, what, what we do learn on the TV, which the re- everyone else in the coffee shop is obsessed with watching, this TV bulletin about mm. the youngest person ever yeah. has died. Baby Diego,
0: <laughs> little baby Diego. And I'm <laughs> going to say
1: when you first start to take that in, you're it's a bit hard to figure out like what the hell is this about? Yeah, you think
0: baby Diego was stabbed outside of a pub, and you're yeah. going, "Oh, that sounds pretty brutal." Yeah. And then you find out, yeah, baby Diego is 18 years and yeah. how many months and days and hours.
1: Yeah, and it's quite clever because obviously, you know, we do get these new news reports like, oh, the oldest person has died and mm. they're 108 or 110 or whatever. And you go, wow, they lived a great life. And it's like, oh, the youngest person has died. So it's a cool setup. So so it's telling us that through that little baby Diego idea that, yeah, this is the world that he lives in, that no, no more babies were born. And he walks down the street to learn a little bit more about him. He pours hard liquor into his crappy cup of coffee. Um, and I think he might light up a cigarette as well at the same time. Yeah, um, The street is a very prominent London street, but it's extremely busy and there's tuk-tuks. Yeah, I know. So they're just <laughs> you they're know, rattling about the they're place. They're rattling and- around. It's very polluted. There's rubbish everywhere. Yeah, it's-, um, it's kind of a bit smoggy and, and a bit gross. Uh, and it's very loud, like there's lots of noise going on. Um, and sort of with that, as I, th- I think he has a swig and lights a cigarette, a, a, just a bomb goes off in that coffee shop mm. that he was just in. And um, I think, does a woman come out holding her arm Yeah, or a woman something? comes out holding her arm yeah. and he's,
0: he, he wanders off. And there's just, and this we get silence again. Yeah. And a little bit of ringing, which is presumably his ears. Mm. As he, he wanders into his office uh, and... You know, as he's wandering in his office, everyone's in the office looking at Baby, Baby Diego, Diego news. And slowly this music sort of joins in, like um, orchestral sort of mm. strings start coming up. And he, he wanders through, and you can see he just can't even today. Yeah. And yeah, he, he wanders into his boss and he goes, Oh, boss, you know, this news about Baby Diego just kind of hit me a bit harder and I thought. I think I might need to work from home. Mm. And, and it's funny because now it's like, well, I, I get people saying, oh, so we're all going to meet up, uh, you know, and go out after work. Do you want to come into the office? I said, <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, I'll come to the office today, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, he's, uh, and you can tell he's, he's not really sincere. No. He, he doesn't give rats about baby Diego. No. but and
1: it, it feels like the boss probably knows that as well. Yeah,
0: his boss is like, yeah, okay, well, whatever.
1: Yeah.
0: Off you go. Do we know what he actually did?
1: No, but it was the Department of Energy uh, that he wandered into, like you saw him okay. walk in and the security check. Um but yeah, didn't really know he's just a pencil pusher or yeah.
0: Or an exciting executive. I don't think <laughs> I don't think he was dressed like an exciting no, executive.
1: No, no. Uh this is where his life does lighten up a little bit. He um visits this friend Jasper.
0: Well, we do see a lot of illegal immigrants in cages yeah. at this point, and we oh, do, that's right. yeah. and we get the uh, woman loudly speaking in German, hmm. which I immediately thought that this is clearly, uh, you know, harking back to World War Two. Yeah, like, and, and again, we talked about say class structure in London, yeah. in England, uh, and the UK, and certainly particularly in England uh, as opposed to the larger, probably Scotland too. But the World War Two is still like it's a real yeah yeah memory, like because people's you know maybe your know, parents if they're older people or the grandparents were still having these memories of uh, the Blitz. You know, refugees um from Poland and mm. France and Germany coming yeah. through and then also the internment camps that they discovered in Germany yeah uh, and so having a, a this German voice in a cage it's kind of like it's it's reversing this role a little bit and yeah. really pointing out this similarity. I think that that this kind of, yeah, you think Nazi Germany is kind of bad for locking people in cages for almost no reason. Mm. Yeah, well, it turns out that most of us do that <laughs> nationally. I mean, Australia's yeah. got a terrible record of locking up refugees yeah. on an island and treating them like crap. I, I still don't know why we keep doing it. No, no, no. Everyone keeps saying, yeah, we don't want to do it, but then... No we keep it. getting politicians going harder on refugees and right. you get all of the people, get riled up and vote for them. Mm. Or, or Yeah, I don't know. I don't understand it, but it's it's a reality that we live with. Yep. And this movie, I think, really sort of with those scenes in, where they're stuck in cages and, and like you hear the... Uh, it happens again later on with a mm. German woman asking for food on the bus and I can't help but think that is he's, he's definitely pointing out, hey, yeah. you know, like... Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the Nazis did bad of- things, but you know, we're all kind of doing similar things with the refugees we're yeah. receiving at the moment. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that was definitely there. Um and can- yeah, it's a it's a brutal kind of world that we are in this setup. There's graffiti, there's rubbish, there's this refugees, the police are really heavy, you know, like they're heavy handed. You can see that it's kind of like swap police. All the time, yeah. <laughs> you know, like we have heavy-handed police happen now, but the, the, I think what you're saying there as well—the refugees that, you know, they've got the big German shepherds. Um, they're the—they've got the guard uh, helmets on, the batons right. out, and the shields. They're and... sort of swearing like I know um, Theo walks past the police, move on. You know, like the police are not just. And it's not to say that then police aren't like that now, but it, it, this is the street police. <laughs> they're they're
0: really quite grumpy.
1: Yeah, they're grumpy police at all times and um and no wonder because the world seems to be on a bit of a knife's edge really. Yeah. That's what that was the impression and here.
0: I I gotta imagine that everyone is trying to deal with the fact that humanity is doomed. Yeah. Like um because one thing that you've got to think is that if the last person turned eighteen they no longer have any laws for underage drinking. No. There's, you can't... There's no point checking ID checks. No. Because everyone is over 18. That's right. There are no schools. Like, and there's no funding for schools. So like, why bother having a primary school? There's not going to be anyone no. in it. No. Uh, children wards at the hospital. Mm. Pediatricians. So there's no such thing as a pediatrician anymore. So it's pointless. Yes. Uh, yeah, so there's seeing all of that and having all of those things closed down, like you imagine here... Uh, Where we live, we've got like a couple of these primary schools. Imagine Mm. if they were just closed down, but just closed down and abandoned. Yeah, they would be. Not closed down and repurposed for community groups or something because we've had further social breakdown. And and it's just, yeah, you'd be walking past these places. It would be a grim reminder that you're the end. You know, every birthday you celebrate now is one step closer to humanity's demise. That's right. (laughs) And once those 18 year olds pass, I don't know, 30, 40, it's you know the chances of having there. children after that it's yeah drops remarkably.
1: Yep. Uh, but he does visit this friend Michael Caine, uh, yes. played by Michael Caine, Jasper, who's uh, quite a you know interesting character. He's he, um, he's uh, like an ex political correspondent or something or mm. photographer, uh, but now he's selling weed. Yeah,
0: and he's quite alternative. <laughs> um, very
1: alternative to the thing. He's he's out in this. Cabin in the Woods as well And his wife has Potentially had a stroke or something We don't don't know Yeah she just stares in the distance Yeah she's sort of in a wheelchair And um, that um, But he's very Jovial And upbeat And kind of Yeah he's 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 the opposite of Theo in a way Isn't he? Yeah Even though the world is the way it is So it's a good reprieve From that world Probably for Theo And also for um, The story Uh, After that And then see to me This is the catalyst basically but again just before that Theo wakes up in his apartment and that ad that wakes him up is quite is it quietus quietus yeah, yeah. which is basically a suicide suicide kit. kit yeah which again you know you you just said it like we don't have to have laws for under 18 year olds and stuff but likewise they're giving people a ticket out so i think if you, if society allows complete ticket out like that um you're probably heading for doomsday, aren't you? Well, in in you the book, there's a up.
0: there's a bit more of that. You know, when you're old, you're basically encouraged to commit suicide because you're useless, yeah. basically, which is dumb. Because <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of a bit funny yeah. thinking. But an interesting point that Jasper makes you here is that yeah, they they're distributing suicide kits, and yet weed is still illegal. Yeah. Well, I know, and you sort of think that you can imagine that happening. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't you? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Here's your state-sanctioned suicide kit. Are you smoking marijuana? <laughs> My goodness <laughs> you're me, going so, you're jail. going to jail. Yeah,
1: that's
0: right. He's like, why can't I just commit suicide by smoking marijuana? That's right. Because it doesn't kill you. <laughs> you can only do things that kill you. That's right. Smoke normal nicotine or drink alcohol or use quietus. Yeah. Mm, okay. That, I, anyway, I, I found that a, a, a funny irony. It
1: was. Uh, so Theo uh, wanders to work in his depressed state the next day. At about 12 minutes into the At about 12 film. minutes into the story and um, three armed men put a hood over him, chuck him in a van and thank well, it. Well, it's
0: pretty cool because we actually walked past the newsstand and on the newsstand were papers saying the Fisher's terrorist attacks. Yeah. Latest single Yeah. And then, yeah, sure enough, Ladies, shortly after walking past that, he's nabbed and chucked in a van mm. and we learn... He's taken by the fishers.
1: Yeah, because there's also a sign. There's a lot of signs that repeat. I just want to say as well in the back. These are just signs in the background, but it's report suspicious behaviour. You know, mm. which is that very 1984 Orwellian thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's like oh, it's a society heavily militarised society, um, and you got that kind of kind of constant message, like you're responsible to report. You know, suspicious people. You know. So, yeah, he's trapped in the van. He's t- inciting an incident. There you go. Guy's yeah. going to work. He's kidnapped. There's a he's great What are you going to do? Incident. What's he going to do now? Become a
0: skateboard champion. <laughs>
1: that's it. That's nope, his way out. that's
0: not the choice he makes.
1: Very quickly, but these guys reveal that it's his ex-wife um, and she's a bit of a leader uh, in this room that he's tied up in. It's a great room that they've got him in full of the newspapers all over the wall. Yeah, plastic newspaper. Yeah, which all, if you look really closely, they're all sort of acts of violence as well. Mm. So it's that old... Clockwork Orange, stretch the eyeball and play all the, the yeah. vision <laughs> as much as desensitize the violence, you know, yeah. into your face, you know. Um, and she says that they've got a. a, a she asks him if he could get transit papers for a woman.
0: Yes. For a Fuji. Yeah. And they're not going to, like, kill him, softly with your song. They do cover of that, I think. The Fuji's, yes. No, okay. Anyway, mm. there we go. That I am old, so, <laughs> so, so. Yeah, they, they do. They, they say, yeah. Get the ministerial papers. Get the travel papers mm. because he has some sort of a contact. Yeah. And um, immediately, yeah, you know that this is insane because here you go. Up to now, there's been no story. No. There's just been a sequence of a sorry, no plot. There's yeah. been a story. Yeah. You know, man goes to work, escape, doesn't get bombed. You know, he meets his old friend. Yeah. It's a sequence of events, Mm -hmm. but none of that has any drive. None of that. We don't know. We can't even suspect what the next thing he's going to do is probably go back to work, I guess. Another day. But as soon as we have this, he's kidnapped. Okay, that's the beginning. We go, oh, something has changed. Mm. We want you to get ministerial papers to escort this, you know, so this girl can travel.
1: So now he has a debate. And so
0: now we know that at least some of act 2 is going to be about either him trying to get the papers yep. or transporting the girl and yep. we we now have direction and drive yeah the story the next sequence of events yep. will be driven by this and yeah. the very next scene in fact is driven by that
1: yeah and and that's what his his response is that well i can't get those papers you know how you know dangerous that is and we know this world is dangerous mm. we've seen the police we've seen the refugee thing. so the stakes are raised here that he can live in his boring little depressed world. Yes. Which status is death. He's probably just going to drink himself to death. Um, Or get blown up in a bomb. Or blown up in a bomb. And in fact, he lights a cigarette and his ex-wife says, oh, you're smoking. Uh, You know, those things will kill you. And he goes, yeah, not fast enough. Yeah. So he's he's heading towards death. And that guy later on
0: in the film also tells him, oh, they'll kill you. They'll kill you, Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, so again, at this point in time, Theo is trying to kill himself. Really, yeah. you know. Um, and so, if he he needs something, so the debate here is: Will he do these papers? And he decides he's offered cash as well, which I think is quite good because it's a, I think for that, it, it again makes him a little bit more selfish. You know, like it's not a save the cat; it's actually yeah. a little bit more complex. He's like, oh, okay, I'll do it for the money.
0: Um, I, I think his moment with Jasper was save the cat. Yeah. Because the yeah. fact that he could unwind and he did have a lighter side, yeah. it was that human project joke that they told. Yeah. To introduce the human project. Yeah. But uh, that's that's kind of where you go, oh, okay, He he's actually, and you know, under other circumstances, he's actually quite you know, a fun-loving, nice-at-a-guy. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but I, I liked that he was like, yeah, I'll do it for the money sort of thing, mm. you know.
0: Um, and the very next scene, of course, he's... In a posh car. like we just see yeah. this posh car driving along, making his way through. There's music again, very prominent here. I can't remember what mm. the song is. Yeah, and then we see it's it's Theo yeah. in this posh car. Yeah, going through,
1: and he crosses the boundary from that world he's been in, which again is this real British class structure. And he goes, and I think it's that that um they drive down that uh Queen's Park Road parade, thing, yeah, parade and, or whatever. So they obviously and, got access to that. And, and through
0: the park, there's there's. The fancy people playing right. the fancy games, they've yeah. all got dogs,
1: yeah, and they don't have violence around them. No. um and there's a symphony as well playing, and yeah, so he's he's in another world really. And he goes through a couple of other checkpoints, a little bit like in time, right? the same idea? yeah, yeah Hull, it, it was it had much to go the same. through those sort of checkpoints.
0: And it is one of those themes that you you get this sort of um uh, fairy tale sort of theme or or often, Films will do it where they go from one place to another. You've got to pass through a gauntlet. You got you got to, you've got to yeah. travel through a tunnel. Sometimes it's a literal tunnel. Literal tunnel, yeah. In so you know, in time it was a uh, tunnel. Yeah, there he, he yeah. entered a tunnel and there's a barricade. It dropped. He had to pay his duty and yeah. then pass through. Pass through, yeah. And yeah, and I remember that that movie Doomsday we did where they they were in the post-apocalyptic Mad Max world of yeah. Glasgow. They pass through the military tunnels through the tunnel, That's through right. the mountain, yeah. and come out the other yeah. side. Now they're in King Arthur's land. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, it was like a stark difference in mm. in operation and the tunnel was the this transference point. Mm. And yeah. this one here, it's his fancy car and these gates, you know, take him through to a totally different world.
1: Yeah. and it, And it is as well with his cousin. He has this meal. It's all catered for. It's displayed beautifully. It's wine His cousin's
0: and- son is doing some computer thing yeah. and yeah. ignores him. Take your pills. Take them! <laughs> Which, it yeah, gives you an idea. This guy's a minister or the minister. Yeah. And yeah, he seems he's talking nicely and then he shouts at his son very authoritarian and give him that idea. Okay, he can be quite stern.
1: And, I mean, you mentioned it before. Here, when he asked him for the papers and he's like, oh, you know, it's a bit tricky. He tells him a story about a girlfriend and... She's maybe the one and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, he, he says, oh, how do... This is sort of a bit of a theme, I think, going on here because he says to him, how do you do this when you know the world is the way it is out there? And he's like, well, I just don't think about that. Yes. Yeah. And it's. I think it's that great aristocratian sort of wealth mentality, isn't it? It's like, well, I'm up here in my ivory tower, doesn't really matter what's going on with the poor people. Like, I don't have to think about it. Yeah.
0: I have more important things to think about. Yeah. yeah. Not really, but he does. He says (laughs) he does.
1: So, yeah. So, anyway, he gets the papers um, and he meets up with Julian. Uh, Again, it's a great little uh, character piece here, isn't it? Because he he gets the money at the pub and he goes to the races.
0: Yes. To make
1: a bit more money.
0: Yeah, or, well, he's he's still a bit self-destructive at this yeah, point. So yeah. he's he's like, yeah, he is, because uh, he, he waged, he got another couple grand or something yeah. up front. You got, you know, those, you know, the guy used the pint glasses to yeah, pay him. Yeah. He um, represents what's going to be paid. And then, yeah, he's he's straight to the, the greyhounds. And I remember looking at going, oh, dude, you do not make good choices, do you? <laughs> That's right. But he won. He won, he won on Which one is, of them, yeah. Was he, this, there's a theme in here as as is stated later on, it's uh, about faith and chance. Yeah. And so he takes the chance. Julian has, has the faith in him mm. and he's taking chance and it's come up, bing. Yeah. And that's kind of almost like, yes, you will. You're on the right path. Act two. Yes. <laughs> You're not going to just sort of squander the money and hide away in a no. hole somewhere.
1: Anyway, and so there's a cryptic little chase here and he's got to meet so-and-so, on the, Julian on the bus and... Follow the woman with the dog kind of thing, and he does. And I mean, the whole point there is that he's got the papers, but realistically, they actually have a ex-wife, ex-husband argument, don't they? Yeah, they the whole about dead child that they business. lost their child, and he kind of mourned, and she suggests he mourned too much, and he suggests she didn't mourn enough, and so they kind of end on a bit of a tiff. Um, but then they go and pick up. Key and so he meets this young. I don't know. I don't know. Is she Nigerian or something like that? Maybe she's yeah. a refugee, African, um, some variety, yeah. Um, and there's another woman as well, Miriam, who's the midwife, yeah. She's although I don't of, think they, they're not, he's not introduced she mentions like that. that later on, yeah. She does. So, so she's, she's
0: a bit of a space cadet at this she's point, she's a bit of
1: a space cadet. And Luke is the one of the kidnappers from earlier, um, he's driving, and so. You know, he. I think he does say something. Doesn't he say something like, um, are we going to have a sing song? No? All right. I'm having a nap then. Yeah. You know, like, so um, they're all a bit testy. And anyway, so they're going to drive to the first checkpoint or something, aren't they? And get through that together. Yeah. And then from there, Theo will have to take her to the other checkpoints and get her to yeah. the coast. So the fact that he's done that, we've basically signed up for act two, haven't we?
0: Yeah. We're going to act two. When he has his nap... Hmm. I think we're going to act too because we get the the next thing is they get ambushed. Yes. So they they drive along through countryside, countryside like big tall trees, which uh, there can't be a lot of those in the UK. Hmm. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of development being done, bound to be some. But they're driving through there, and it, it doesn't look typically British. No. Like when you have shots of people going through British countryside, you're more used to seeing hedgerows, and yeah. you know, much like uh, we saw. We see, we see later on in the film actually is what you're yeah. more expecting to see, uh, and if you're, if you're from you know the la- la- larger island of Britain, there
1: they do have know, some old forests. You, you might
0: yeah. you, you might not have that same impression, but as an outsider, the films where I've seen and, and other imagery when you get someone going through these places, it's yeah, it's you see these little farms and patchwork and hedgerows and little windy alleyways. But this, they're kind of you could almost sort of say I think it was Canada they're yeah. driving through. And they drive through and there's like this rolling car catches on fire smashes and people just come pouring out and start woods, chucking yeah. stuff. But they're just grumpy. <laughs> I, think, I think they've not had breakfast that morning, I'm, I suspect. And no, it's a planned attack. They're kind of unhappy. Yeah. Uh, and so they, they reverse out and try and get away. These guys on motorbike. And th-
1: this is where Alfonso's long take mm. really ups the ante because you've got this point of view camera we're in the back seat of the car.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, looking out through the driver's seat as this burning car hits them in front of them, they reverse back. This horde of people are kind of surrounding the car. He reverses faster than people can run. So okay, you, you're breaking free, but again, the camera doesn't break here. No. And it's fanging down this you know country road, and then there's a mo- you know motorcycle with another guy comes up to the side door where Theo is. Theo. Kind of, and he's got a gun. Um, oh, that's right. And he shoots, he shoots and Julian. Gets Julian. Yeah. And so she starts bucketing out blood out of her, you know, which is very unexpected because you weren't, yeah. you thought she was going to be a well, character they, for the they film. They were just
0: having a little moment there to yeah. show that they still actually had a, had a playful sort of side connection, to it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so she's shot. There's blood going everywhere. There's this motorcycle comes up to Theo, points the gun at him, but he kind of quickly opens the door. So it's this frantic, you know, um, Pat scene. Now you could have done. He could, Alfonso could have done that by cutting a hundred times, yeah, which yeah. is action one hundred one, right? Like cut a hundred times, build up the action, but by having it just this continuous shot. It's kind of like what you and I were talking about off air. Is you kind of, as an audience, taking your breath? Like, you're, yeah. Oh, it, oh. Well,
0: it felt like you're a passenger in the car. with Yeah, them.
1: yeah. So, so you're there. You know, you're-, you're in the action, and this motorcycle. Then, you know, Theo's whacked it with the car door. It's fanged off. Um So they're kind of gotten away, and and you know, he's got his hands around Julian's bleeding, and uh, Miriam kind of tries to help, and they're all yelling and screaming, and and uh, they realise that she's dead.
0: Yeah, she's dead.
1: You know, and so that as an audience, it's quite shocking because you're like, oh, I thought she was going to be a major character throughout the whole story. You know, so I thought they were going to get back together. You know, like that's yep, what you could you're thinking, easily right? imagine like that's, that would that's be the traditional sort of. You think that would
0: be the B story, yeah? There isn't it? Like them? Okay, so they're helping this woman, you know, travel yeah. across the thing for really, unknown reasons. Yeah. We don't really know why. No, but they get a chance to patch things up and maybe mm. they don't you know get fully get back together but they come to terms yeah. with the death of their child or something funny. And just
1: as they kind of regroup that Julian is dead and they can't go the way they were going to go. Oh, you know like what is it like six cop cars come Flying past them,
0: yeah,
1: and they're like, "Oh, cops, cops!" You know, like, and they're flying in the opposite direction, or you know, speeding in the opposite direction, and they're like, "Other cops after us, cops after!" And then you see the one cop car is coming up behind them. Um, and he he's like, "I can't outrun them. Going to pull over, pull over!" And the police come up, and and again, it's this real frantic, you know. The I think unlike maybe what British cops are probably like, they pull guns out straight away, and I don't um, think
0: British cops carry, carry guns by standard. I don't know. I mean, again,
1: like Aussie cops generally probably don't just pull out their guns. They're I've, trained not to. I've never seen you know, So, But they do in this scenario and, and obviously in this world. And um, and that Luke guy, they're all yelling out, we're British, we're British, you know, and, and they sort of, the police go, okay. um, And they, Luke hops out and just shoots them dead. Yeah. It, and uh, again, it's like this quiet, you know, the, the camera's just rolling with it. So I think there'd been a cut or two in that sequence, but... It's implied that you know why the way it's been shot. You're, you're as Sorry said, you're there in the car. It's like you're stuck in the car with them, yeah. and uh, so he gets back in the car and he fangs it down the the uh, freeway or the highway or whatever. Um, so it's quite a brutal scene. That scene, um, and this
0: is where we get uh, a bit of a breather, don't we? So Because yeah, get to the farmhouse. It's interesting to watch some of these films where they have these ups and downs where they. They have this frantic chase where Julian dies and they shoot the cops and you go, oh, frick, everything's screwy. But then at the same time, it just goes through and they turn up in a farm mm. and it's quiet and there's like some nice little puppy dogs that like <laughs> Theo and they don't normally like anyone but they like Theo for some reason. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it's suddenly you sort of think, oh, okay, they've sort of made it. It's safe. It's nice.
1: Ah, do you know what? Just that you've said that, when he was back at Jasper's house, there was a cat, wasn't there? And he liked the cat was nice to him, wasn't it? Yeah. And then, at, when you were saying that, the dogs are nice to him, and there's that cat that's trying to claw his leg, isn't it? In this scene when they're all discussing what they should do, yeah. Know, and there's a cat like trying to climb yeah, up his leg, kitten. like wants a cuddle with Theo, yeah. And so, and that's that happens throughout this whole story, isn't it? It's like animals want to be with him.
0: Yeah, so he he's actually a very fatherly figure. He's yeah. Just- doesn't want to get just doesn't it. want to admit to it. And what I noticed at this farm here, we went from the greys and blues and blacks of the city to these sort of uh, warm earth tones in here. The yeah. farms with browns and greens and uh, you know some muds and
1: yeah. And we, we get this impression. I mean, this scene is about these guys. You know they're kind of like frantically trying to decide as a group, and it, and it feels like it's a very democratic group, right? Like at this point in time, and they discuss what the plan was, and now that Julian's dead, what they should do, yeah. and they're a little bit aggressive, but it's a bit like a commune or something. It's and I think this is where you're saying as well. It's like they're quite innocent. It, it the impression is they're yeah. quite an innocent group of just trying to do the best they can. They want to do well for the they refugees. They want to do well for yeah. the refugees and they want to do well for society and um and I think the farm it's like oh fresh earth and they're trying to look after the place and they're living off the land versus what we'd seen with the government and the corp you know the, the city corporate yeah. and the city world and what they were doing. It it felt suddenly like oh these people might be my kind of people. Yeah. A little bit <laughs> and, a
0: little bit kinder, a bit yeah, a hu- bit more more human. human. Yeah, yeah. And they they do they ask, "Hey, you know, what what do you want to do? Do you want to like risk pushing through to this boat that may not occur, that may mm. not happen, or you know, have your baby first and then we'll try to get you there later?" Yeah. Uh, and that really makes a point. Is this is your decision. Yeah, yeah. We we'll, we'll of course find out later on that it was never her decision. No. But she she says, "Oh, yeah, I'll have my baby here and then move on." Yeah. Which I could understand because like having a baby even nowadays where yeah. it's not unusual is kind of a, a confusing and frightening thing. You're mm. like, not really sure what's meant to happen and so yeah. on. So the idea that, yeah, you might be out travelling, mm. where you a, could be at a nice farm, as as yeah, you said. Just,
1: with people around you. It feels you safe and, and
0: warm and nice yeah. and there's people and, yeah.
1: And so, yeah, and Theo's going to hang around and then take her, I think is the plan. Yeah. Um and so they're like, oh yeah, you know, you can bunk here. And we learn Miriam's a midwife as well. Um, and so she she wants to help uh, Key and be on that journey as much as she can. Um, and then they, uh, in the middle of the night, he he's he he wakes up to a bit of a commotion.
0: Well, well, he first of all discovers that Key is pregnant.
1: Yeah. Well, we already s- just said that. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, but I want to say that we're talking. This is. This came out uh, December twenty two in the United States, Mm. so this was like a Christmas release. Yeah, and in particular, this theme here, where we have uh, he goes down into the barn, Mm. away in a manger, (laughs) and the cattle are lowing. Yeah, and she reveals that she's pregnant. Um, you know, this miracle baby, uh, immaculate Mm. conception. Yeah, she even makes a joke later on that oh no, she's a virgin. Yeah, and and you see Theo. Almost seem to believe it, and she says, "No, I just don't know who the father is." She? Yeah, because <laughs> again, you, you got to think, if no one's able to get pregnant, there would be no, no. precautions taken. No, like why would you bother? Nope. it's not going. Yeah, and because, and if you did get pregnant, it would be some miracle thing. Yeah, you know? so, yeah, so this this is where this um, uh, Christmas theme comes in. It was released in America as a Christmas film, mm. and we have this scene here where she reveals herself as pregnant in this manger. Yep. and then we've got the the story of them rushing urgently going to give birth, and it's um you know they can't find a good place to give birth yeah. and so but they're uh, they're let in by a kindly kindly well uh romany lady yep. marika so there there is kind of this uh a parallel theme here of the mm. Christmas story
1: yeah yeah The
0: Jesus story. Yeah, the the Joseph story because this child is kind of the saviour of humanity. Yeah, yeah. And she is Mary and she doesn't have uh, Joseph hanging around Mm. the place. I mean, Joseph is there. It's it's Theo.
1: Yeah. And the kingdom is out to get them as well. Yes, yes. Pontius
0: Pilate, I think, was uh, the dude trying to kill all the babies.
1: Pontius Pilate's the one that sentences Jesus to death, so I don't know is if it? it is the same. Oh, okay. One. Which who's I think the it's guy that King King Herod or something? King Herod or something?
0: Oh no! If you're a Christian, oh no, let we're, us know. <laughs> we're muffing
1: it up, but it's the nativity um, scene. I where, mean,
0: I, I mean, I went to a uh, you know a, a Christian school and yeah, yeah,
1: you know, learned all this stuff.
0: Apparently, learnt this stuff. I'm sorry,
1: <laughs> faded. The Whatever. story is a really good story. It's really great writers, cool, authors. Cool. Like, they really thought it through the beats. It's a world bestseller. Yeah, it's a world bestseller. Um, the sequels and everything to it. Well, I love this uh, scene
0: where they're escaping, as you yeah. said, like because he, oh, yeah. he overhears that they're just going to use this baby as a flag. Yeah. They're going to wave this baby around as a banner to rally a rebellion, which to me, I'm going, what's the point of having this rebellion if you don't, like, you've got to find out how come she's able to have... Yeah. a child is that something that more women actually do have but they just haven't been the circumstances or yeah. what what's yeah, well, the, like what's the deal it? here yeah, yeah. that's far more important than your freaking rebellion <laughs> like the, the rebellion will happen mm. when the hope is given back Yeah. if the so, human project could turn up and just sort of say here is this treatment it works only 1 in 50 but 1 in 50 of the women that we treat should be able to conceive and have children mm-hmm. like all of this fighting would stop yeah like well yeah there's to be conflict but you know all of the real angsty horror drama of it the people would go oh well, we should do everything we can to make that work yeah and suddenly everyone bound around the hope so this rebellion thing is just a horrendous idea
1: it is it is but humanity seems to be bent on destroying itself in this film so he overhears all that rebellion. He also sounds like they planned it, as in the attack oh, yeah, on they'd... the car. And oh, well, the that's Jillian because death. the
0: motorcyclist dude. Yeah, he, he turns up, up and sort of later talks about on and it. Wants anyway, to so kill Theo.
1: Theo, this scene to me is a really standout scene and apparently looking into how they actually did it, um, they had to modify a car for the cinematographer to be able to move in the car. Um, and to shoot it as one long scene, mm. right? And, and the actors could slide out and slide in so the cinematographer could get around. So, you know, we, we don't have time to talk about it, but as a real, you know, thought through. Alfonso, coming off Harry Potter, actually said, let's do this as special effects, and the cinematographer said, no, no, we decided this film would have... The raw grit documentary style Yeah We're not bringing in special effects We're going to do this properly And so they had to they, The props department built a car Like they modified a car So yeah The, the cinematographer could get in and out And so could um, you know um, Theo etc As it turns out and A lot
0: of car choices in TV shows For the main characters mm, Is based around how easy it is To get a camera t- yeah, into the car into,
1: That's right so um, this scene's great because he, it's such a clever idea, isn't it? He? he goes and he, you know, stuffs up the first two cars, get in the third car. They all clamber in. It's just a little car. Starts pushing it. We'd, start. we'd heard that it needs to be jump-started. Yeah, No, yeah, you can't yeah. park that here. He, Don't
0: park it here. It needs a jump-start. So
1: anyway, he realises that, so he starts pushing it down the hill. They all, the rest of them, realise they're escaping, but he's stuffed up their car, so they're like running after him down this hill. And so it's a great example of, like, you know, that Alfred Hitchcock building the tension, right? Mm. Because he kind of gets away. They do get away. It's a real hectic scene but, again. Yeah, they,
0: they get to the bottom. They of that get to the hill. bottom, and
1: yeah. of course, it stops, it the, the stalls. But you can see in the background of the long shot, they're coming down the hill. Yeah, so that, that's what I mean by this Hitchcockian sort of and idea that.
0: It would have been easy at this point to sort of do a cut it would up been. to the people, close up close to the people up, running no, and seeing their faces. In, yeah. They're just in the background, they're yeah. blurry even, you can't, yeah. they're not even in focus.
1: But it's, you know, the impending doom is coming mm. and the, the t- it's, you know, their time clock is getting shorter and shorter and and so Theo's out, push the car, start the car, get us jump started. He, he actually had and, to push that car. Yeah, to actually push it, yeah. And um, that had all been done with the cinematographer, like being in the car, out of the car, running with them and everything. So... We talk about that dance that him yeah. and Theo, you know, Clive did. It uh, came across super impressive, and it, it all comes down to just timing, really. And if, it, as we said, if it doesn't work, you're reshooting that whole bad boy. Oh, could you, you imagine, know? poor so, old
0: Clive? He's like, oh yeah, I've got to push that car again. Yeah. Oh my god, that was so hard. That's right. So he he
1: was invested in the look and feel of the film, Clive. So he, uh, Alfonso had sold him. So it's very. I I loved that scene. Like I thought that was a really cool scene. Um that's a master filmmaker right there you know yeah, like playing really playing off and it's, and it's us when you think audience. about all of
0: those complications of how you would as a filmmaker how you would put that together because mm. even if you're using a small camera like yeah. a phone yeah. which they weren't using they would have been using like a, something a little bit chunkier and you've got to climb in and out of cars but you've got to keep the shot going yeah. without showing off any of the, you know, sound yeah, or crew cables guys or, yeah. or the safety guys nearby who mm. are ready to rush in and, you know, help if yeah, the yeah. car Yeah, tell you, 5
1: can't do that
0: because yeah. of insurance purposes. <laughs> and and then also making sure that everyone kept acting like, because yeah. they wouldn't have known if it was a cut, because surely would have just been saying, uh, I can't really signal to you if it's a cut, just keep going. You're
1: just going to keep going. Keep going keep until they would have to run
0: down mm. the hill shouting all this. Yeah. I wonder if it was that first one where they come running down and, they, and Clive he gets stuck and he can't push it and they go, I oh, can't reset and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Back the top of the hill. <laughs> just, Hey, it's what actors should be paid to do and they should be happy to do that. Yeah, maybe. I know. So, um,
1: and I think they probably were working on a film like this. Uh, so they um, it's a great escape scene. Again, then there is like a beat because it's like he goes, oh, um, I know where we need to go, you know, which mm. is Jasper's. So Jasper. they get to Jasper. Um, and this is really like they, as you said before, taking that beat, taking that breath. Um, the baby is, uh, oh no, sorry, the pregnant woman key. She's like safer. She gets, they eat. Jasper does them up some food and, um, they get to, you know, Theo gets to have a shower and they, they, I mean, they kind of have it that talks, refreshing.
0: Talks with Miriam and learn, yeah. we learn a bit more about her background. And that's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. i no, no, we hear them talking about Dylan, Theo's yeah. background. That's right, And Miriam's yeah. background is later on when they're on the way to the camp.
1: Yes. Um, and that, that, again, was a really interesting, this is what Alfonso refers back to, he saw these long takes in some old movies and he, you know, that, that scene's another really good example, sorry, of what we were talking about, that... Uh, Clive comes out and he's I think he's looking for shoes and the only shoe he can find is thongs and he comes out and he starts pouring himself alcohol in from a big bottle into his little bottle that yeah. we've seen him drink from the whole time and um he's sort of in the other room or a doorway so and then you can't see Jasper and he's Jasper's telling them about his son and losing the son and mm. how they lost the son and but the whole time Clive is the one in focus yeah so You know, actors don't like that. You know, I can't imagine Michael Caine would have loved that in terms of who wants the close-up. But he doesn't cut to that close-up. He keeps it on Clive the whole time. And Clive is overhearing and liking the story and then it's obviously reminded of the pain of it.
0: Um, Actually, I really like that story because it starts off... Uh, they're smoking his weed, and he does the whole strawberry he does cough the same thing joke again. again. yeah. Like, yeah, cough. What, what does it taste like? <laughs> Strawberries? Yes, that's what it's called. Strawberry <laughs> cough. And he's like, it's it does add to the world and the it feel does. of the characters. Yeah, yeah. Because you can you know people when they have like something they think is clever, they'll tell it to yeah, everyone. Tell it to everyone. Yeah. And and if you're along, you'll hear it yeah, as many times as it requires, <laughs> and you go, oh, yep, they're about to do, tell them yeah. this this bit of news or this story.
1: So uh, anyway, um. They are, uh, bro- to me, this is then the midpoint. Yeah, about um, halfway through the film. Yeah, uh, they're awoken the, to the alarms and yeah, that Luke crazy music, and yeah. these rebels are there, you know, and they're broken in. Um, so very quickly uh, Theo, Key, Pack, and Miranda pack up and Jasper's like, no, no, I'm going to stay and I'll distract them and tell them, you know, the old. They went that way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and Theo just parks up in the woods to, and he can oversee, you know, these rebels uh, rocking up and they bring Jasper out and he tries to do his joke about pull my finger and, but he's just basically executed. Yeah, they're really too rapidly. serious.
0: They're way too serious. Um, there, Well, you've, I think this kind of really does show that they're fanatics. Yeah. Like they're not human no. at this point. They've no. sort of moved beyond that level of human reasoning yeah. where in fact they would have just let this guy go. It was like, oh, okay, he's just whatever. Okay, clearly he's not here. He must have left recently. Let's get yeah. out of here. Yeah.
1: And it, it's great raising the states, mm. right? The bad guys closing in. So now it's like the police are after them. The, you know, the, these rebel guys are after them. Where, where, how can they get to the coast? Yeah, They're
0: supposed to meet with a, a- contact. Yeah.
1: That Jasper had set them up with at the refugee camp. Um so the idea is let's go to the refugee camp and then that will get you closer to the ocean, right?
0: Yeah. And and this is where they they do drive through the day and they stop at a school. Mm. And the school is just totally abandoned. In fact, there's a deer walking through it. And and this this is what I sort of thinking is that uh yeah as a parent, if I'm walking past in these schools, they're just in total ruin like this, like it was just, that's just a, a, a reflection of your own mm. despair. It was yeah. just like that's, you don't realize these are symbols of um, us having a future mm. is you see the, the kids running around and like being noisy and annoying. Mm. But let's face it, if there were no kids left and it was all closed down and shut, yeah, it would be. Um,
1: you would feel doomsday is coming. Yeah,
0: it was just a clock is ticking. Yeah. Because even though I know that I'm going to die, you know that clock is ticking it's sort of it's it's not especially worrying like you know it's it's sort of a future thing that i don't know you know kind of happen mm. one day i suppose yeah but if you do, if you knew there was you know you're the last of the line mm. cuz you can imagine what these these kids are thinking yeah yeah like 18 19 year olds are like mm. this is it we yeah. don't have they they've never experienced having younger siblings mm. you know they are the youngest yep. ever and yeah they they've got no opportunity then to be in pa- power I suppose like yeah. because everyone's more senior than them and yeah they'd be watching the world population just every year would just decline
1: yeah Whew, grim so they they get into there's a great scene here Miranda explains pretty much that passion you're talking about that yeah. she was a midwife and suddenly there was no more babies being delivered and when she rang the other hospital, they had no more babies. Mentioned and Australia. Mentioned yes. Australia. <laughs> and they're not having any more babies. And and that's what she talks about. is pretty much what you're talking about. Mm. That they were the first people to realise the despair that if there is no more babies, the silence. And that's what they talk about, that silence. And that's mm. why, again, when we come to it at the end, why it's important, the start started with black and, and how the end ends. Mm. Um, and they're interrupted by a police sort of effect, sound effect, and they go out and um, told to kind of lie down, put their bags down, hands up sort of idea. This guy gets out.
0: Calls him a fascist pig.
1: He says, oh, you're a fascist pig. He says, what? Yeah. He comes out with his baton, kind of threatened, call me that again. Fascist pig, goes to whack him, but then laughs. Sid is his name, and he likes to talk in third person. Sid talks in third person. (laughs) Which is always funny, isn't it? It's always funny, and it's great that Sid's got this little weird characteristic. And he is. He's an oddball overall. He is
0: a bit peculiar. Yeah,
1: because he's obviously this police guard at the refugee camp, but he's dabbling in other
0: And you can imagine he's also just not kind of thinking too much about what's going on. No. He's just continuing on. I think they do, they jump on this... um, they get driven to the compound and hauled out and Sid says, you know, catch up with Marika. She'll be sitting there smoking with a dog. She always is. And, you know, get on the bus and they get on the bus and Theo sits down next to a German woman who asks for food, mm. you know, and, and she's wearing the, like the grey coat. And, again, you can't help but be reminded of World War II conditions. Yeah.
1: Well, these camps are brutal that we see in this film, aren't they? Yeah. You know, they're hoarded onto these buses. There's cages on the buses. Um, there's, you know, heavily armed military men. Uh, they've kind of got all their belongings. It's dirty. It's run down. It's cramped. Um, yeah. It's not nothing that, you know, we always like to talk about Sort of treating people in a humane way. This is not humane at all. Yeah,
0: they're you know? not even really pretending.
1: No, they're not even pretending at all. This is quite brutal treatment of the refugees. Um, and Key, so this is really good to me, up the anti-Key starts. I mean, I've been through this with my wife. It's like she's having contractions. Yes. It's, it's obvious. You know, She's breathing heavily. She's in a lot of pain. Um, her water breaks. Her water breaks on, on Mir- the bus. Miriam
0: gets taken. Yeah. And so, so the, Mir- the midwife. Miriam
1: sacrifices herself, right? Yeah. Like she, she basically causes a scene so that she's taken off. Yeah. Um, and, again, talking about long shots, isn't that telling a great way to tell the story of how they treat the misbehaving ones is she ta- the guard takes Miriam off the bus the bus then takes off with the remaining people including Key and Theo and you see out the bus and there's so where Miriam was going she's put they put a hood over her yeah. and as the camera as the bus moves down the street there's then the identical lot of refugees but at the next stage yeah. and they're like tied up on their knees and then it keeps moving and the next stage is dead bodies
0: yes they've been so, covered
1: yeah <laughs> That could have been done with camera, totally different. But by just looking out the bus, again, it's like we're on the bus and you are told this is what happens if you misbehave. Yes. And it's it's, it's a really cool way of doing showing that. It's showing, not telling, which is great. And
0: we are also told, of course, here for a bit more of this whole faith business that... The human project doesn't... There's no communications with them. Mm. It's done through, you yeah, know, yeah. friend of a friend Mirrors. of a friend. Mirrors, yeah, as I said. Yeah, friend of a friend type of communication. And Julian was the last link and they don't know who her link was. Mm. So they just got to turn up and believe how it will happen.
1: happen. Which, again, is also great for raising the stakes that then you start as an audience, you're like, yeah, are they really going to be there? Well, there's no safe way out. You can't
0: reschedule. No. Or ask them for additional help or, you know, send a boat to the shore. It's risky. It's
1: risky. It's really risky. So they get to this really rough camp and they're checked through... um, and it's kind of like when you land in Bangkok and you're a tourist, <laughs> and people want to take all your luggage or and Mars money from, from
0: um, total, recall. total recall. Yeah, it's the yeah, same, same kind of
1: idea. You know, it's a rough world.
0: Some dude um, says, "Yeah, I'll, I'll get you a house. I can get you looked yeah, after." And like, um, it's cramped. It's
1: crowded. It's you know, people. But they, but they
0: do find Miriam. They do not Miriam. Not Miriam. Marika. Marika. They do find Marika, and and she's like this sort of. Funny sort of slightly distracted woman smoking and carrying her dog around everywhere, mm. and takes him off to a tenement of some description. Mm. And I thought it was interesting here because again, everything went got dark and grey again from the mm. countryside, and it's, yeah, it's bleak in here. Yeah, you wouldn't even imagine that this was the, the UK. That this was mm. a location. You probably think maybe Sierra Leone on a yeah, bad yeah. day or yeah. something. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and they they get taken in and I, I really like this bit because um, Theo, you know, gets it down on the bed. She's going to be having a baby and suddenly this is where Theo comes alive Yeah, because he closes the door and he washes his hands. He takes out his bottle of booze that he hadn't had a drink of yet. He mm-hmm. refilled it at Jasper's and he washes his hands with it. It's yeah. like if that's not a symbol of him washing his hands yeah. of... Drinking, yeah, yeah. because now he's he's found a higher purpose for this Mm -hmm. alcohol, which is, in fact, if he wasn't a booze hound, would he have had the you know the alcohol to wash his hands off with? Yeah. 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 So you know, it's one of these sort of um, strong symbols and ideas that comes in, and and they they deliver the baby, and it cries as babies don't cry um, like that when they're first born. Uh, This is a movie. Trope in order to give you know to show that the baby survived. Yeah. They they're usually pretty you know slow moving and they might um, tweak and you know chirp. So we had we had uh, my son. His nickname when he was a baby was Chimpanzee Elliot because he would make little. <laughs> that that's it. Like just like a little tiny little quiet chimpanzee sort of sound yeah. and an obvious animal like a seagull. Right. Like but none of this business going on. That wasn't until they were they'd been fed a few times and really a bit stronger. But newborns, yeah, newborns are pretty quiet. But this yeah. was this was um, I think it was a computer graphic. Uh, yeah. It was a well done one because often they put a new like a real baby yeah, yeah. but of course they can only use like nine month olds yeah, yeah. which are like basically little adults compared to a newborn <laughs> compared to yeah. newborns look like they yeah. did in this which is like these little purple deranged monkey creatures yeah, yeah, yeah. They're horrifying I, I to liked that
1: yeah and I also liked because um, in my experience like this one came out and they, they sometimes they come out not breathing Yeah, and that, that's what this one looked like yeah. as well which again for the purpose of this story is like oh god have they gone through all this and yet Maybe the baby isn't alive Viable you know, Like yeah So maybe it was just a freak Pregnancy You know So I think that was played on Um, This is also the longest shot in the film This whole pregnant giving birth oh, scene it? Yeah oh, I really um, thought that, that
0: and Yeah and yeah but...
1: you'd think But this was the longest take Was yeah. her giving birth I think it's like four and a half minutes Or something non, non-stop Yeah Um, From the minute they go in You said as he washed his hands And yeah. all that So, um, yeah, it's quite an intense scene and I did like how they brought the baby out. And you're right, it wasn't one of these six-month-old, nine-month-old with hair (laughs) and a beard. Talking. (laughs) Talking, you know. (laughs) Playing cards. Uh, You can just tell from the development where it's that, you know, like, you know, the bones are all twisted and the head's all misshaped. And the skin's all flaccid and floppy. Um, so yeah, they, they do have the baby and, and to me, um, we're verging on the third act here because now we've got the baby, um, in, in the morning they're woken by Sid. Yeah. Um, who's come and, you know, he's going to help them. Um, he's going to help them get them. And out, I, th-
0: I think but- this is the, the, the last bit of the, the dark night, like just yeah. before that act three. Yes. Because. He spots the baby. He
1: spots the baby and realizes no, hang on, you guys are worth something.
0: Yeah, it was unclear what his intentions were, but they weren't he wasn't intending to help them to no, the human no. project.
1: One, once he learnt that, and he that's why when he was walking down the steps, he was like, I knew you guys were valuable, but now you're very you know, he says something about you are you are a product or something. Yeah. He, I can't quite remember the line, but he does say something along those lines. Um, so you can feel the tables in, He pull. He's got a gun and he marches them down. And um, but good old Marie, hey, okay? she she does a bit of a dive here and um, punches him or. Knock, knocks him aside and Co grabs Theo kind of grabs and him and, and they fire off and fire off until he runs and out then of bullets. She comes in with a stick or something, pipe, yeah, yeah, pipe thing and gives him a good few whacks. Um, not quite enough to knock him out, and he's 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 still abusing as he's collecting himself. And they get to a great, great like uh, challenge, isn't it? Which yes. is like a door where they, Marie squeezes through because she's skin and bones and yes. takes the baby and then it's like, she's disappeared. Yes. And so it's like, oh God, has she run off with the baby? Um, but then she's there and she helps out Key and, yeah. and then just as Theo's, you know, it's like Indiana Jones and just as he's getting out, there's. Then the um, Sid is up and bang bang, you know, shooting his gun again.
0: I, I like that because he starts squeezing out, yeah. And Theo just whacks him with a car battery, yeah. And unlike in other movies where people get hit in the head by God knows you know, car yeah. batteries and frying pans, and they yeah. just kind of go, "Ooh, that's a bit I'm, of a yeah. shocker." I'm going to keep coming for you. You go, no, nah, Sid was <laughs> out for the counter. He's not getting up after no, that. He's dead. So, because um, I've I've picked up car they are very heavy. Oh yeah, you get yeah. hit like that with one, and yeah, you're and, not and getting And it's
1: all part of this intensity, isn't it? That that yeah, you know, he just whacks him, and I think he's even a bit surprised, you know. But it was just in that moment, he's grabbed the first thing he could pick up and smack him with, and and then he also injures himself, Theo. He injures his legs because again, he's not got his shoes on, um, and they flee down, and at the same time. There's the big rebellion going on in the refugee Yeah, camp. there's actually so marching. So there's yeah, with the, shooting guns into the Muslims The Muslims are first and,
0: going, saying God is great, God yeah. is good, or whatever it is they say. And then they walk past some French, mm. waving the French flag, walking along. Yeah. And they managed to get up to I, I, maybe Russian guy, because yeah. like, there's sort of pictures of... Lenin and a few other sort of things that make me think it's it's looking pretty Russian.
1: Yeah, and he's some sort of guy that obviously gets things in and out a of smuggler, the smuggler. Yeah. yeah, he's a smuggler, and so he's a little bit in his apartment. It's quite nice, and he's old and got you know bodyguards and stuff like this. And, they, and
0: yeah, they show him the baby. They kind of, and
1: they, they adorn the baby, don't they? You yeah, know, like they it's the miracle. And here it's here it's that example of. Theo and that really bringing together all the resources for that final push. Yeah. It's the perfect example of that. And And so the baby has...
0: plan up.
1: Yeah. You know, the bodyguard's like, yep, we can do it. We'll get you a boat. We'll get you out of here. We'll go in an hour. You know, they look out the window. You can see that their world is in a lot of turmoil. The guards Mm. are coming past. Up on the roof, there's soldiers shooting down at them. So it's they're in a war but they've got their plan of attack
0: got their plan and of course it's it's smooth sailing because they, yeah. they they go they got out, this great they, plan they push key on the the wheelchair yeah. and they get down they through the they go in opposite
1: direction to the they military. dodge
0: a dodge a few of the military things and yeah. they they come up to the water, water. treatment yeah. thing where the guy pulls out like a, a key to un, yeah like do something uh and then they just meet it get on a boat and sail to victory yeah. no, no. Out, out from around the corner comes luke and his boys yeah they've managed to catch up to them again yeah. And they shoot the, the Russian guy and they, they all have to go fleeing and yeah. they take key off, you know, because so, this is a classic reversal. Like we go, yeah. oh, oh, we're, we're so close to develop. victory. And no, nah, you're going to have to learn something mm. new. Like yeah. the, you haven't quite crossed all of the paths yet.
1: Well, you're going to have to just really, Theo's really going to have to show his determination here, isn't he? Like yeah, he's going, going to have to show that he cares. He really is the father. Yeah. Um, you know, He's not the father, but he's the metaphorical father. You know, yeah. that, he, that his quest, that debate, right? yes. going back to that debate when he decided to do it and he was kind of doing it for money, but now he's committed to this cause and yeah. he's told that he would be executed and then this is where a bit of faith happens, doesn't it? Faith and chance, yeah. Chance or the chance thing. That Then the military come around, so there's a good old shootout. And, I mean, this scene is just, it's like Saving Private Ryan, these other war, um, what's Stanley Kubrick's um, one, the military one?
0: Full Metal Jacket?
1: Full Metal Jacket. You know, it's this same point of view camera mm. where we've got bullets flying past our head as the audience, you know, yeah. and, um, it's, it's long pretty cool. Takes. Cause
0: I really like, he, he runs, he dodges and then jumps behind a pile, but there are already people there's hiding the there people and here. he's yeah. like, Oh shit. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was like,
1: get out of here. What are you yeah, doing? Yeah, no, this it's, is
0: our hidey hole. You know, yeah.
1: And, and he runs through that bus and there's people, ah, you know, Yeah, so, a couple of
0: them get shot as yeah, it like yeah. passes through. There's always bullets flying everywhere. Yeah, and yeah. Um, he manages to get down in that, that building that he sees them go into but then tanks roll up yeah, and then they're shooting and the tanks blast, blast in there. A and a big bombs, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, he,
1: but he still runs in. He runs, he, he in. runs so in there. It's the good metaphor, isn't it, compared to what he was like at the start of the film. Here he is running into a burning at building. At the start of the
0: film, yeah. he was like, yeah, it's 5,000 pounds. Yeah, I want to need another couple thousand. Yeah. And, you know, are, you, are we going to have a sing song? No, I'm going to I'm have the nap. But
1: if you think about it, even at that coffee shop, the woman comes out with her arm blown off, yeah, and he just walks to work, yeah, right, like uh, another day, yeah. He doesn't yeah. help. Whereas That's- here, he's running into the burning building. Yes, he's so he's, he's, in he's there. an opposite person.
0: Yeah, and, and it's really good that they showed that. And this is this is what I think intimidates me about mm. a lot of these films and this writing, because. When you look at this, you, and you go, yeah, exactly that 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 bomb explosion in the coffee shop at the start wasn't really necessary no. at the start. No, like they, it could have simply been a couple of people getting into a scuffle, and that just sort of indicates it's a rough time. Yeah, and but then as you said here, like it really does demonstrate though like, the whole show don't tell business. Mm. It's it's showing that, as you said, he's now running into danger. There's an explosion out, and then yeah, like the someone came wombled out and yeah, wumbled out and died out of that. And yet yeah. he goes in, as you said. Yeah. So, yeah, it always does worry me that I'm, I'm a tremendously inadequate writer when <laughs> you can't remind you there were like five or six people yeah. on this, and it was based off a novel already, so they sort of got a bit of a basis there. But mm.
1: anyway, so he runs through this building. There's still the bullets. It's you know there's people all in this building. Uh, We also do see a good raising of the stakes, I think, just before he enters the building, as in people come out surrendering, like little white flags, and and the military just mow them down. So you know he's going in there, the military aren't going to stop, right? Like he's dead, really. And so he's running in there, and he kind of runs through the flyers. It's chaos, people running everywhere, bullets flying everywhere, people hiding. Um, But he manages, he hears the baby. Yes. So he heads to the baby, and he finds... If I, and then that long-haired guy that's been tormenting him pretty much the whole movie yeah. as well comes by and he hides and then he's just shot down, yeah. you know, by the military um, and then finds Key and the baby and literally, again, even like he's reaching to her and there's a bullet, you know, near his hand and, and that and he convinces her to come with him and that Luke is fighting off the military in the corner and then says to him, you know, you can't take her. Like, I want... I want this baby. Uh,
0: He's so bloody minded, isn't yeah. he? It's just like, Luke, you you're done. This yeah. is finished. Yeah. Your your rebellion is nothing. No, we've like, got
1: the baby. Let us get the baby out, you know? Yeah. And, and he
0: and he even goes, Oh, it's a girl. Like, yeah. Because I I imagine that sort of sparks the idea. Oh, well, maybe this child this girl child could yeah. also have children.
1: That's right, yeah. And
0: so you go, oh, you know, you know, <laughs> Which is a bit of an Adam and Eve yeah, yeah. business, like you know, apparently in the, you know, the Bible, Adam and Eve gave birth the entire human race. Like yeah. we're all massively inbred, but don't yeah. worry about that. Actually, it does say that he took up other children, wives. like other wives, and you're like, well, I'm not sure where they came from, no. but okay, let's just go kept, for that. God just kept
1: spitting them out. And
0: he's like, <laughs> why? Got any more ribs, Adam? <laughs> no. But yeah, he he, he does. He stops for a moment. Goes, oh, it's a girl, and you can see him considering. Yeah. But he still goes nah. no,
1: nah. and, and then fires on him, yeah, um, and hits him. But uh, good old Theo keeps running, and then we I'm pretty sure does he get blown up, Luke? Then or something? Yeah, Luke, Luke gets taken out. Yeah, he gets taken out. And, um,
0: and this is where he, Theo is down the corridor, and he stops and looks, and there's like all these people. Yeah, and there's this question we have in our head: is like, are what they, are they going to do? Yeah, with the baby? Uh, what's your intention here? Yeah. And they're all, oh, my goodness, baby, yeah. it's a miracle. And so that's... To,
1: to the point that some of them are even looking and then get shot. Yes. So they're like, again, it's like very symbolic to me that that they're, they're like, oh, my God, it's a baby. And they're so willing to put, like, stand out in the corridor. Yeah. You know, and stand out in they the... They reach ocean. out
0: to try and touch yeah, it. Yeah, and things. they get
1: shot and stuff by the military. Um, and, and then so you start, I think they descend the flight of stairs and they come across armed... Mili- um, armed rebels again. Yeah. Not Luke's necessarily, Luke's gang, but another gang. Yeah, some dude with a As gun. Some dude with a gun, and he just kind of looks at the baby and, yeah, no worries, slight nods, and yeah. they go past him. And then with that, it's the actual military. So here's the standoff. Here's yeah. the climax, really. And that military guy, they're all baffled at first, but then they just, nope, stop firing, yeah. cease fire, cease fire. You know, and that's the messaging. And there is there is this beautiful long shot that you were talking about yeah. before that... He descends down the stairs past all these military people, uh, soldiers, and they're and almost forming like a, a what do you call it a guard of honor? Guard of, type of, thing. Yeah, yeah. And they, some of them are you know signifying religious connotations and you know symbols, and others are just in awe and
0: Where they, they lean over to they lean over, to over ca- some, catch a some look want to have a
1: closer look, some are a bit more standoff, but they're all you know oh, and I think there's a, probably a message in that, isn't it? It's like we as adults. We have these wars as well Mm. You know, we fight each other as adults And yet If there was just a baby present It would just, it wouldn't happen, sorry Wow Hmm. (laughs) No, but it's like more like the innocence of a baby, right? But we kind of forget that as adults Yeah People forget it
0: I, I, I don't And it just surprises me Every single time when someone says Oh, uh, we're going to invade, or let's declare war, and you're like, seriously, guy? You're
1: basically seriously killing babies. We yeah, were like, all babies, right?
0: Why, why are you doing that? Just, I'm pretty sure you can do something other than yeah. that. Mind you, I also think that the uh, you know these, these governments or whatever should probably not just like shoot their own people. Yeah, just don't. Yeah. <laughs> so start with that. So you know your, your Syrian guy who like yeah. his military shot the the graffiti kid yeah. doing the graffiti. Like, don't do that. It's pretty simple to not shoot people. I have gone my whole life, and I've not shot a single person. Mm. That's how easy it is. I know, It's surprising, really. Yeah, it's yeah. it's remarkable. <laughs> just don't do it. It's simple. Yeah. Say no to shooting. That's right. Kids stay in school. Just, uh,
1: yeah. Anyway, so there is this real sort of miraculous scene, and they escape the building. They go. Everyone lets them go past just because they're amazed at a baby. And um, up until up until then, a bazooka comes flying (laughs) out, and boom! You know, just as they're out of the building, basically, and so the military go back to doing what they do, and they escape the the confrontation, and um, get back to Marie. Actually, she's still alive. She's
0: she's kicking on. She's hard to kill.
1: She is. She gets them back to the boat, and um, you know, Theo's like, "Come with us," but. She doesn't want to do that, and they push them out. They great, like you're saying, the tunnel, right? They yeah. come through the tunnel, go underneath the sharp kind of escape, and they're out. They're out in the ocean,
0: in the fog you know and know the they? mystery. And then
1: there's a fog and mystery, and and then the jets rolling. fly over and yeah. just
0: blast the crap yeah. out of the refugee city. Yes,
1: yeah, so there wouldn't have been much left at the at the end of all that, anyway. All that fighting, and we
0: yeah, we have this quiet moment where they're. Talking, we we discover that Theo's been shot and he's bleeding and he's going to yeah, die.
1: But just before that, the baby's upset and this is that final fatherly yes, thing, right? He goes, he goes, oh, she, he probably just needs to burp and he he sort of, he doesn't hold the baby, just symbolizes holding a baby yeah. and what you should be doing and I actually thought, yeah, they're really good if you lie on your arm and give them a whack like that.
0: Um, the, 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 the other one position. actually If there's any uh, New dads out there Or new mums listening Is If you're holding your baby Facing you In your arms And you lower them down Horizontal Like onto your lap And then bring them Back up again mm. It dislodges the gas And they yeah. They will burp I, My wife and we Do it to ourselves As well yeah. <laughs> If we've got You know You feel you've got A bit yeah, of a burp and yeah. you go, oh. It's like a sit-up Yeah, yeah. L- Lie down and then come sit back yeah. up again and you'll get just a...
1: force the gas out, yeah. Get a good
0: old burn. so there It's funny,
1: that recovery position I naturally did and I didn't even know. And then when you do first aid, which again I just did the other day, that's what you put a baby in for first aid. Is mm. it like there on your arm, you know, yeah. like that, and their head, their head down so all the puke and vomit and blood or anything can just come out of their mouth. <laughs> which and is standard issue. Yes. which Which then I was like... I, and I mean, I remember learning this the first day a few years ago after I'd already had babies. It was like, I was like, yeah, that is such a good position. And, and it was because of that, because quite often the vomit and that would just, the dribble and all that kind of stuff that comes out of babies, yeah, it just goes off your elbow and onto the floor or whatever, you know, like, but if you hold them the <laughs> other the dogs. way, they're like, they're like drowning in their saliva yeah. or, or you have them on your shoulder and then you've got it all down your shirt and shoulder. So um, yeah, I walked around my eldest like that hours on end in that weird recovery yeah. position, <laughs> um, and I was doing it the other day with uh, I did it with my puppy a year ago and my wife sort of took the piss out of me and I did it the other day deliberately in return I like picked up the puppy and she, I was like oh look I've got it in the recovery you know baby position like it is a baby you know patting its back And of course the puppy's like what the fuck are you doing to me yeah, uh, but a baby quite likes that. So there you go, some parenting advice from the space. There you parents. go.
0: See, if I was dying in that robot, I'd have something to say. As I well. would too.
1: I, I yes. and, and that probably actually what you said earlier, I was the same. I did not have kids in two thousand and six. You know, you do watch this time. You're like, yeah, no, he's right. Burp it. Give it a little burp. It's only yeah. a burp. Don't. You know, you do stress when you have that first baby, don't yeah. you? Know? It's like. Oh God! Is it dying? Should we go to emergency? No, it's just a bit
0: of gas. Um, my wife and I had a checklist. <laughs> Whenever the baby looked discomforted, we go: Okay, is it warm enough? Yep. Is it cool enough? Has it has been it fed? Has it been fed? Has it been changed? changed? Has it been burped? Yeah. You, just, you just go through that checklist, yeah. sort of in that order, and then once you've gone through to the end of that,
1: and if it's still upset, okay, now yeah. what do we do? Yeah.
0: Fortunately, it, we we didn't have that situation where it's still yeah. up. Well, actually, it was a little bit later on then we discovered. Oh, it's teething.
1: Yeah, then it's teething. Then you yeah. go,
0: okay, like give it yeah. something to chew on or something.
1: Uh, of course, this is not medical advice. Like my one of my babies did have really bad croup, and you know we had to fang it to hospital. At, 2 a.m. in the morning, oh, an yeah. awful time. Oh, little
0: little bubby, Elliot. yeah. All those he, things, he got himself so, some uh, yeah. uh, herpes, and yeah. um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, ninety something percent of the population has it. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, when it, but he had a, an occurrence, you know, a, a, an outbreak, and yeah. as a baby, it, it's quite you know dangerous. There's yeah. a high fevers and all sorts yeah. of things. So he spent a night. Yeah. yeah. But this is also fairly. Don't be afraid of doing that. No, no just do it. <laughs> the doctors don't think you're a fool for no. coming to the hospital.
1: No, not with a not with a young baby no. or a child, actually. Um, so yeah, and he is been shot, so he bleeds out after he's given this last piece of fatherly and, advice. And he
0: finds out she's finally come up with a name. It's not Froley, no. it's not Bazooka. <laughs> she, no. It's like Bazooka. What? <laughs> I know she was thinking of the Russian connection or something there, but when she says, Dylan, mm. that's gonna be a girl's name too. Yeah. And you can see that's where he sees he's like does a little he's gone, smile as he dies. Okay, yeah. I can die yeah. pleased that, you know, I have brought this life into the world. Yeah, it's
1: his, his legacy lives on, right? Like yeah. he's done the right thing. And um, so, yeah, and then she's sitting in the boat alone. And you are questioning that faith, you know yeah. that idea, and no, but with that you see the light. It'd
0: be pretty terrifying for her. it. It like, would have been, yeah. I, I can't row us back, no, and the, the, just and got with bombed, the baby, and yeah. I don't do. Ooh. Where do we?
1: Where do we go? Um, but this boat then starts coming, and, and symbolically it's called, called tomorrow, tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and. Yeah, and then it's black with the title Children of Men, right? So, remember I Mm. said it was black at the start for 30 seconds, but now we have Children of Men and it's laughter, children laughing. Yes. So, the bookends of this film are really beautiful. So, at the start, that annoying checking your DVD (laughs) computer screen, which Surrey and I did this time, and I'm sure the film projectors did back in 2006, uh, you're bookend is then laughter, children's laughter at the end
0: of the film. Yes, it, so
1: which, silence versus laughter. It does so give you a really bit of lively.
0: hope, as, as you said. Yeah. Yeah, I and think and I,
1: I think the thing is the novice audience member, not the space brain,
0: not the space brain. but
1: the novice that might go, yeah, I wouldn't mind another scene that maybe the world now has children, but that is it. That's all you need. Yeah. Like, and that's really cool writing because you don't need that showing. Children laughed, sound children laughed yeah. We don't need to have Happily Ever After and have Key 20 years later surrounded by babies, right? Yeah. Like, just have kids laughing. Well, it means that, the, yeah, the, the problem with those back.
0: sort of extended things, it, it it requires you to answer a bunch of questions like, yeah. uh, so what yeah, was right. wrong yeah. with women? That's right. And uh, what was right with Key? Yeah. And how did, you know, if they got Dylan, how they get other babies? Like, yeah. you know, your gene pool is too small there, and yeah, yeah, that's do right. they clone Starts them opening, or like? Yeah. And and then it's just it's easy if you just go. There was laughter. Okay, somehow it became it, all right. It worked all right, and you and Children you can leave feeling it. that okay things things aren't terrible.
1: Yeah, so that brings us to the end. It's an awesomely shot film, as we said. Point of view throughout the whole thing, the camera, um, steady cam point of view idea really brought you into the film. Um, A lot of shakiness throughout. The gritty scenes and sequences of London throughout. You know, every single setting is basically some sort of dystopian world. I loved that. Back to that uh, action scene as well that was all conflict-like war. There's also... The blood, you notice that? i just going to say that. The blood splatters onto the camera at one moment.
0: Yeah, when he's walking through the bus Yeah. At the, in the last yeah. scenes that bullets go shooting through and someone flies backwards and the camera kind of, it shakes left and then yep. right back out yeah, now, and there's little droplets of blood on there.
1: Now, other f- more recent shows, even The Walking Dead, it did that deliberately, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, computer games, storytelling can do it and stuff like this. I don't know of another movie. As I said, The Walking Dead, I've seen them do it on The Walking Dead, but deliberately for this, as part of the choreography, that was a happy accident. And again, it was one of those cinematography things where he said, let's keep keep that in the film. Keep it, you know, and isn't it such a beautiful moment? I loved it. I was like, oh, it's a visceral part of the it, scene.
0: It adds you into the yeah, scene it for it makes sure. you feel that, you know, because there's blood splattering onto thing. the thing. If the blood splattered onto the camera, that means there is a camera there. Yeah. And we're in there type of yeah. thing. Like, it, it's a weird... Well, it's
1: our eyeballs, right? It's like almost you could be splattered a, into
0: it. It's almost a breaking of the fourth wall. It is
1: breaking the fourth wall. It is, but in that point of view version, it's like we're we're crouching, we're dodging bullets like Theo, aren't we? And yeah. I just thought that was great. Another I also mentioned was the the music and there was this... There's a lot of uh, classic rock in cl- there. Yeah, and the opera kind of musical where it's a little bit um, to me... So you can have an orchestral score that really relates to the scene. To me, the opera music that's in this, it's almost like a bit of a juxtaposition. Mm. It's almost like a bit... Um, not sickening, but it's it's just a little bit abrupt and makes you realise that there's music and vision that doesn't quite go together.
0: And is it and, is um, it playing up on the whole? You know, it's not over till the fat lady sings. Maybe, yeah, yeah. And there yeah. there's this opera she's singing, mm. so it's not quite over yet. It's not quite over yet. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I mean, opera again is like a class structural thing. I think that yeah. upper class wealth class. Yeah so so yeah i mean look this film has got so many good factors to it uh, it's, so
0: it's wonderful no it's not surprising it got 10 you know academy award nominations yeah uh or, yeah, and it won at least one or two of them
1: i think yeah three i think or three nominations three, nomina- yeah, three um, oscar nominations i think um don't think it actually won anything but yeah it had some bafta nominations and some wins won some festivals it had very good critical success um, uh, so this
0: one's three Academy Awards. Yeah, it was a nomination for it, yeah. Uh, a couple of BAFTA wins out
1: yeah. some nominations.
0: Yeah, now is his gravity that he got the...
1: Yeah, Alfonso oh. has backed this up with Gravity a few years later, which is another great oh, science.
0: Seven Academy Awards. Yeah. Good on you, Alfonso.
1: <clears throat> and we'll come back to Gravity probably on a future episode. So that, that's the plot. That's the narrative sort of structure. Let us know what you thought about it. Did we miss anything? What did you like about it? Hit us up on the socials and let us know. Um, we have been going for a little while, so let's make this nice and fast. Sorry with the ladder. I think as a little threesome... For me on a Friday night, or if you're out there in Space Brain Land, have a look at Snowpiercer, have a look at Children of the Man, have a look at The Platform. Put those three together, (laughs) and you have got a meaty sandwich for a Friday, Saturday night mix of nice, dystopian, uh, you know, creepy world leaders with their. Awful games and the underdog fighting back in all three of those.
0: Wow, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think of Snowpiercer. That, that's yeah, Snowpiercer fits this very well mm. because there they have a problem with children, and they, yeah, they steal the children. Uh, I went for uh, District Nine, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, which I think really is, connects to that. This yeah. is
0: playing up on the the refugee sort of idea yeah. here uh, and the empathy because we know that you know Blomkamp, he loves his. Empathy. uh, He says, Yeah, we should walk a mile in someone else's shoes and become an alien or something. Uh, And then we have, and then I went extinction. Extinction, likewise, you had this, um, you know, there were no more children. Mm -hmm. And there's just these robot kids that didn't age, which is a bit, you know, weird. Mm. Uh, Hopefully, you've all seen these films and listened to us discuss them. But yeah, I I kind of liked that um, reversal, much like here in this Britain. Uh, in Children I mean, of so that reversal of refugees and yeah. internment camps, yeah. like you've got the.
1: Yeah, playing off the history and the history. Yeah,
0: I liked that idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, District 9, I, I should have thought Snowpiercer. Yeah, it's okay. But that was, yeah, I'll try better next time. You do better I next will time. do better next time.
1: And what's your ladder out there in the world? What trilogy would you like? Do you agree with my suggestions of Snowpiercer and the platform? Or do you? Would you prefer to go Surrey's suggestions of District Nine and Extinction?
0: Mind you, it was a bit grim. I was I was considering uh, the Wandering Earth yep. as sort of okay. The here's the opposite side up. where yeah, it's yeah. like the hope. This is where humanity didn't devolve into dystopia. It actually turned into this kind of um, you know everyone pulled together. Uh, yeah. But then I thought no. No, I won't, I won't be happy. I was the
1: same. That's why I went The Platform. I thought, let's keep it oh, The Platform. <laughs> let's go for, like, you know, The World Against Us, you know, idea. and Because that's sort of the snowpiercer. He's got the whole train, the whole world is against him, isn't it, sort of thing. So, yeah, I thought that would be a, you yeah, know, let's go bleak this weekend and watch these three films in a row. So what about the science? Sorry. The science. What, what science do you want to take from uh, Children of the Men? Well, is it infertility?
0: Well, recently, the latest uh, UN projections, so every year there's these projections done Mm -hmm. um, come out of the UN for world populations and fertility rates and where we're going Mm population-wise. And we have these things we know about, like uh, we've heard the baby booms. Yep. So at the time, say, let's say from 1941, 42 through to 1960, there's a massive fertility increase. Yep. That And fertility rate is measured by the number of children each woman has. Yep. And the reason to do that is, one, it's easy to measure how many children women have because we have... We have good uh, records. We have most records of that. Yeah. And the other thing, of course, is it doesn't matter how many men are around, mm. one woman can still only have one yeah. baby at a time. Like, yeah. like I've seen documentaries where the five guys try to have five babies with one woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we know there's documentaries. documentary. <laughs> documentary. <laughs> but it doesn't work. Yeah. It just doesn't work. No. So, it's the number of women uh and sorry, number of babies that a woman has yeah. through her life. Yeah. And in a um in say Australia if and and a lot of western world a lot of developed worlds, if you have 2.1 children per woman, don't know how a woman has 0.1, but I <laughs> I assume a whole bunch of them get together and they like band together and, and save their point one up just to have <laughs> someone have an extra yeah. yeah uh then you you're basically uh at an even keel yeah so you're um you're not growing, and you need that point one because you do get deaths that aren't just from old age yeah you've got to account for some accidents so because you, you, you need two because uh obviously there'd be a man and a woman involved in each child's birth so if you have two, then you're replacing the man and the woman. Mm-hmm. But then you've got to take into account that some people can't have children. Yep. Some people die early yep. and so forth. And that, but that's only point 0.1. That's, it's not big. So in Australia, if we have 2.1 fertility rate, then our population will stay steady. I think we're at what, 26 million-ish, yeah. somewhere in that department. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow it'll be a little bit higher. But if, if we get 2.1, we'll stay at that. Our current fertility rate is something more like Mm -hmm. 1.7 and it's dropping. So it was 1.9 two years ago, then it was 1.5 during COVID. Mm -hmm. Apparently not as many people had children. 1.7, but it's trending downwards. So what that means, of course, is Australia's population is going to shrink.
1: It's aging like this film.
0: Except we're getting immigration. Yeah. Um, around the world this is a, this is a common trend as okay. there are um, sixty one countries in the world, like mostly developed um, nations, that are going to have a decrease of at least one percent mm-hmm. over the next thirty years. Mm. So it doesn't sound like a lot, but this is one of those things that can snowball in, because like in children and men, they start having babies. Now you just get this wave of um, people aging out without replacement. And then even if you then start getting replaced, like even this baby Dylan, um, let's say, yeah, they they discover a cure and so they get as many, you know, the young childbearing women and men around the place and patch them up and you get some level of childbirth. Yep. You're still now, you've, you've missed a whole generation. You have. And it's going to be this big skip. So, normally you would have the 18 year olds and you'd have the next generation already coming. Mm. And then you'd have like the people in their sort of 20s who aren't kind of, they're probably not quite going to have children. Here in Australia, the average age is about 31 for women, 33 yep. or 32 for men to have mm-hmm. children.
1: That's where those refugees come in handy, but skilled That's, migrants. Yes, skilled migrants. <laughs> Some of you unlock those camps. Yes. Well, <laughs> You need Uber drivers, it's sorry. Funny, you need Uber drivers. It's funny you just say
0: that because, in fact, places like Japan are aging out faster yeah. because they have traditionally not had immigration. Mm. Like it is, it yeah. is um, well known that it is nigh on impossible, and in fact it is basically impossible to become a Japanese citizen. If you're not born a japanese citizen trying to become a japanese citizen like right maybe if your parents were japanese citizens and you you repatriate yep but yeah myself as a you know white australian going over to japan i can get permanent visa residency hmm. the, that's not that easy but you can do it yep i will never be i would never be a citizen um almost Guaranteed, I wouldn't like. I think there might be a couple little ways you can do it, mm. but they just don't do it. They, that's just not what Japan is, they haven't needed to yeah. essentially, except now they do. Uh, and this is happening, yeah, you know, as in 61 countries are looking at a decreased population, yeah. and that means they're not producing more children. And in you know, 30 years' time, it's uh, there's going to be about So we're going from about 10% people aged 60 and over and over the next 30 years, it's going to be like 30 or 33% Mm. of 60 and over. And you've also got to think that the baby boomers, so we had this massive population boom up to the 1960s sort of time where the population, I think the fertility rate was up close to like three or four or five or something. It was, was, you know, double. What you need and the growth rate was two and a half percent that's just from births, yep. so that you know Australia was also getting a lot of immigration, but you've got these baby boomers coming through, and in thirty years' time they're going to be dead mm-hmm. because right now they're sixty plus mm-hmm. so in thirty years' time, that huge spike of growth is gone, and we're not replacing with new babies and you and I mark in thirty years time we're going to be we're the old a- aged out yeah yeah. Uh, of the working population, for example, mm. which leaves you with a government saying, well, where do we, you know, how do we maintain um, infrastructure and how do we look after all these old people because they have different needs. You know, they need more doctors. They need more Xboxes. We I don't will know. just
1: be sent back to work, I think. We'll be given quietest. <laughs>
0: yes. Yes, yeah, you don't get to retire. Yeah. Yes. You so, can have
1: quietest as your retirement.
0: Well, they, they already did that because the retirement age... For a very long time, was 55. Yeah. Could you imagine that? I know. To me, that sounds so young. It does. 55. I mean, that's not too far off. I mean, it's a fair way from my age at the moment, but but not that far. No. It's certainly. It's actually
1: you know, doable. I, I, I can work to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking at that going, oh, I won't be retired at 55. No. But they increased it to 65 mm. for this very reason. Because I went, well, and by doing that, they saved a whole heap of pension yeah. and increased, you know, another 10 years of. What work, people working
1: yeah you can work for 10 years then you can die we're pretty happy
0: so this brings us to the elephant in the room that we all know and love China mm. so China notoriously had enormous growth like after their major famine they had back in 1950 mm-hmm. I like to say yep they um, recovered from that mm-hmm. that's nice yeah. they had about 600 million people mm-hmm. yeah that's it's quite a big population, but yeah. China's a very large landmass and it's a very fertile country. Uh they had an enormous population boom, as mm. we know. So over the past sort of I don't know, fifty sixty years, they've more than doubled in population. Like one point four billion people. Mm. But they're now and they introduced this one child policy they like did. as um yeah, that's kind of a dangerous policy again because you know you, have, you want the you you're not replacing the people dying out. Yeah. And it all sounds like fun and games until you realise that you're going to have a top heavy aged population. Yeah. And if you don't have all the necessary infrastructure and social situations to protect that, mm. uh, to protect those people, you're going to have like a whole bunch of dead old people. Yeah. Which is, is oh, that's quite tragic. But
1: well, you're going to have a dystopian society, aren't you? You're going to have
0: dystopian societies. Yeah. So, yeah, about... 2020, they're sort of peaking about 1.4 billion. They have dropped the one-child policy, mm. but the problem is it was in place for about 40, 50 years. So, like, um, that would be if you were born as the one child, you would have grown up and also had your one child, mm. and you'd be raising that one child with the thought of them only having one child. Mm. Like, that's how far along you go. And in fact, that would be they would have well been indoctrinated with this idea of one small job. family. Yeah, yeah. And at the same time, China's undergone a you know a massive industrial boom mm. and their standard of living has shot up and uh, education uh, has shot up. Mm. And one thing that is held true is that anywhere where women gain uh, access to birth control and education and some sort of level of social um, agency, Mm-hmm. We stop having children, yeah. Because you know, surprise, surprise, many women don't want to be baby farms. <laughs> that just, that's just it's hard. You know, it's it's hard work, and it cuts you out of some portion of life. Yeah, uh, for however many years? Um, and our workforce appreciates having all of these more skilled laborers. Mm. You know. If you imagine this this will happen after World War II, one of the reasons why we had this, such a, an economic revolution around the world was that these world wars introduced the fact that women would go to work and yep. when the wars ended, the, the women didn't want to go back home but that's not enough because they still would have been pushed home. In, but all of these companies are going, we've got all these skilled workers mm. and they're working and we get the men back in, we don't have to pay the women as much. They're married to the men. They've got an income, so for them, it's not as vital. Yeah. And so, yeah, the companies didn't want to give up all this skilled labor and yet there's so much more money and families, family households, two-income families became a thing.
1: Yep.
0: Um, and, well, wow, you know. But then, poor China, so they're projected, oh, so the, the world population is projected to peak now, the new projection, mm. at $10.4 billion. So this is down, it, it was at about $11 billion, yeah. or $12 billion. And then it revised down to ten point nine by twenty one hundred. It's now expected to peak at ten point four in twenty eighty. Mm. So not only almost a billion do- billion people less, but twenty years earlier. Mm. And it's you know the projections sort of say we should stabilise around that mark, mm. which means we should start planning for how do we how do we feed about ten billion people. We probably don't need to feed. 11 or 12 billion people, Mm. uh, which was a a real concern people had was like, well, if we just keep growing, we're going to run out of food, basically. Um, We'll eat ourselves out of house and home and then we'll have wars Mm. over it. And we'll already have the occasional war over food. Yeah. 2080. China, by... um, what is it? So from sort of 2050 to 2090, so let's let's call it 40 years, mm. uh, they're going to drop or they're projected to drop about 600 million people,
1: mm.
0: which is 20 million people a year. Right. Their current birth rate uh, is 12 million a year. Mm. So you, you put that in a 20 million people, that's the population of Australia. Yeah. Every year yeah, aging yeah. out. Mm. I, I can't even fathom that, no. that and that 's for years on end mm. as they drop down the 600 million fewer population before they stabilize again, and the question of course then is going to like many of the people they are left are actually going to be older mm. because yeah, you know, we just don't have the babies growing right mm. now, so what on earth is that going to mean well we could we could hope that in general the world find a way of stabilizing our pollution but um the, these are these are just interesting uh, notions or ideas projections statistics that governments and even families have to plan for this sort of thing Yeah, yeah. in uh yeah you know at some point is my retirement savings which is in shares would there be a, an ideal time to take it out because these companies will start losing value? Or in fact, with a lower population, will we get deflation? Mm. Will having money become disproportionately more valuable? Mm. Because at the moment we've got the other other way around, which is that having, you know, X dollars is disproportionately less valuable today than it was yesterday. Yeah. If you have deflation, it's the other way around where you know you have your hundred thousand dollars in the bank, you're going, oh yeah. That'll last me a year and a bit, I guess. Suddenly, it will last you ten years, and you go, yeah. "Oh, geez, okay." Mm. Because there's just that many fewer people. Yeah. And then, like, what are we going to do with all these cities? Because this, this is a problem that China has: is six hundred million fewer people. Mm. That, like they've got housing for one point four billion people. Yeah. Minus the you know whoever's not housed, I'm I'm sure they've got a similar problem that most of the world has with housing, but. They've got 1.4 billion houses, say, or when there's 600 million less people, that's that's almost half. That's 40% fewer people.
1: Just knock out some walls, make bigger apartments. Yeah,
0: like, what are you gonna do? You're going to have, like, whole apartment buildings that's just going to be laced with empty mm. homes. And when you take into account the fact that a lot of these people will be old, they're not going to be in the high-rises. They're going to be down the bottom floors and lower places and hospitals and, you know... Uh, it's it's going to be quite uh, an amazing an amazing change in that sort of eighty years time.
1: Are you telling me that when we're the old farts and we need some medical help, there probably won't be that real medical help, will there?
0: Well, on the other hand, though, <laughs> there won't be as much competition for it, but uh, we won't have as much money to pay for it.
1: No, because if there's less younger people, but you won't like if we're there's more older people retired. Mm. Unless younger people, it's that old. It's kind of even what is happening currently in WA in particular, because a lot of our skilled workers go up onto mine sites. Yes, but then that means that back, you know, in the local suburb, you don't have skilled people, even just making you a coffee. You know what I mean? Like there's, you need if if the population of Perth lived in Perth, then those young people would. Yeah, they'd be a barista or whatever, right? Or they could
0: build my house. Yeah,
1: they could build your house. But then there's better money elsewhere. They're going to go do that. And then there's less talented pools. So that would be the same as what you're saying.
0: It would be similar because to that. Because if it?
1: there's less people like in our children's generation, they get better jobs to pick from. And well, they I don't could... want to like change nappies of old people. Well, what
0: that means is uh, the robots and automation, which are come to take our jobs, aren't coming to take our jobs. No. Until we're retired. They can yeah. have it. When I retire, they can have my job and support me. Mm, yeah. So maybe that's the solution. Maybe it hey, could be the solution. Maybe yeah. the automation will automate away our problems. Yeah, that's right. Maybe I'll just stay in IT because, yeah, you know, I need to be able to talk to those robots. Yeah. Need Get to them to change him. my nappies. Hack them. <laughs> Get them to change my nappy.
1: He's too rough when he changes my nappy. A bit of code It's uh, <laughs> uh, a little, little bit too gentle. <laughs> mm.
0: Anyway, that's that's fertility rates. Um, mostly driven at the moment. But oh, did I mention that we're living longer as well? Yeah. So that's kind of helpful. Except America, the last few years, their <laughs> life expectancy has dropped, mm. which has been like the first time since you know 1940 or something.
1: Yeah. Crazy, crazy. So there's a bit too little population or fertility happening. It is Christmas time, folks. Get out there, get fertile. Spread the, the population needs you. Cheer <laughs> and
0: Christmas cheer.
1: Spread your cheer wherever you can. As long as there is consent,
0: the illegitimate children you have now will be there to change your disown nappies, disown you when you're older. Actually, That's right, That's yeah. probably you should probably try to. Retain a good relationship. With have your a children. good relationship
1: with people. That's what we're saying. Yes, that's what we're saying. Yes, what we're saying.
0: Otherwise, <laughs> who's going to change a nappy?
1: I know you got to you got to be good people, because otherwise we've already
0: the... told our kids that they're going to change their nappies when they're yeah, older.
1: They are doing that. I didn't have children just to have children. <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> if they want their
0: measly inheritance. So what is coming up though is Christmas. We've been talking about it. children, men. Nominally, a Christmas movie has Christmassy themes in there. It was released in Christmas, yeah. I I don't
1: know, I think it's a bit of a stretch. I I I think it's a a
0: stretch. Some people are trying to say it is it's like the people are telling me that Die Hard's a Christmas movie, and you're kind of going, Well,
1: that is I reckon that probably is more. There is Christmas
0: Christmas in there, but it's it's, there's no message of Christmas. You need a combination of the two. You need, yeah, you need McLean trying to escort the pregnant girl in a world where there is no pregnancy. Through Nakatomi Tower, being hunted by Hans Gruber,
1: but Hans is Santa Claus. Yeah, he
0: he gets in as the the office yeah. party Santa. As Santa, that would yeah, make that it a bit way. More there Christmas, you go. Yeah.
1: And his he backstory story could be that he was never given presents. He you didn't know what get I mean? a like presents. he was too naughty, and so. And that could be a metaphor for capitalism as and well. And when he right? like gets he shot he and get falls
0: capital. off the, the building then he tries that he finally learns the true meaning of Christmas. Mm, yeah, yeah. Is he yeah. impaled on a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> there but, you go. It the, is, the
1: diehard rewrite.
0: It is Christmas and Space Brains is signing off for 2022. We are. We be fresh and bright and cheerful 2023 with a surprise episode of mm. Surprise Goodness.
1: Mm. Sounds good. It's such a surprise, I don't know what we're talking about. But uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas.
0: And a joyous
1: new year. Yes. Come back for 2023 Space Brands.
0: Have babies.
1: (laughs) Have space babies.
0: (laughs) That's space babies. That's right. See ya. See ya.